Weewa? Right, Ryborg? Are you there? I I am. I am. Oh, Hi. Okay. Well, how's it going, man? It's been a little while. Dude, uh, yeah, I, I kind of I miss you, bro. I miss you too, bro. Dude, what we're, the fuck? We we're gonna have to cheer uh, some brews on. <laughs> a little hiatus of uh, you know things reopening in in the the outside world and us having to begin living real lives again and not just a man cave and uh, you know indoor life. And obviously, you know, being raring to go and ready to do everything last week, and then actually both deciding on a moral. You know, for moral reasons, we didn't actually want to record one for last week, and uh, it is true. Know, yeah, we that, had some, take, we take had that some, as our silence. Yeah, we had some ideas, and we decided not to go with them and and uh, go with silence. And here we are. We had another idea for something, and we changed it again last minute in honor of the great Richard Donner. Absolutely, uh, rest in peace, sir. Uh, absolutely wonderful, excellent career, which is going to be discussed today. Um, we have loads of stuff to announce. We have loads of stuff going on. This is going to be an awesome show. You know what? The hiatus did us good, man. It actually gave us time to get a lot of stuff prepared. And uh, for those of you that were patient enough to wait until we had our uh, our eighth episode, which this one is, um, you're uh, you're in for a you're in for a humdinger. Oh yeah! In the immortal words of uh, Flavor Flav. Wow, you know what? I didn't see that one coming. That's, that's yeah, insane. He, he's always excited whenever I, I call him up, and he, he has one thing to say to me. That's it. I mean, two weeks off, and he still is that excited. That's that's yeah, awesome. He's still ready. So in the vein of talking about having two weeks off, guys, we have something to announce. Um, this could be sad news. It could be good news. Uh, take it however you want to take it. It's happening whether you like it or not. Brews, Bros, and Videos is now, for the time being, maybe just for the summer. I don't know. See how things go with our schedules and everything. We'll see. Brews, Bros, yeah. and Videos is going to be a bi-weekly podcast going forward. Every two weeks, we will be here and we'll be ready and we'll be more energetic because we'll be better slept and we'll have better planned and prepped for an episode because... Yeah, um, life outside uh, the pandemic lockdown. We're you know just getting used to it again, and we didn't. We started the podcast in the midst of it, so yeah, we're just getting used to things, and we're uh, we're gonna feel it out and see what happens. And you know, maybe we'll be back to once a week uh, episodes again very soon. But for now, while things are very busy for us, every two weeks, absolutely. And I think it's you know life. You know, life carries on, and you know we've, we 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 kind of like Raja said, we were stuck in a. A little limbo there for a while where no, nobody was working we had all the time in the world to do what we wanted to do and thankfully that you know created this podcast but unfortunately as everything has gone back to normal again we are just struggling to find the time to get real good material together and just just find the time to do the podcast in the first place so like he said every two weeks we can guarantee you awesome material great times yeah that's it so don't yeah. don't be sad guys you know do, you know dry your eyes it's it's uh it's not the end of the world. This is, uh, and plus, you've got something to look forward to every couple of weeks. And in the time in between, you can just live your own life and have fun and, you know, go visit your, your, your sick grandmother or something or go do all yeah. the things that this podcast was stopping you from doing. Yeah. Well, or, why, you know, watch some of the movies that we've talked about or track <laughs> yeah. some of the brews that yeah. we've drank. You know, get on those things if you haven't yet, because, um, you know, we're, we're, we're doing this for a reason. We want to help you. We want you to live a good life. We want you to drink good beers 
and watch good movies, even if some of the movies we talk about are shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Please, for and, the love of God, do not go away and spend two weeks watching The Happening. Saw, and saw movies are The Happening, yeah. And well, Hostel Part 3 and part three, all the other yeah. fucking horrible I mean, ones. you can watch some of the Saw movies. Some of them are good, but uh, yeah. You, you, know, you know which ones to stay away from. But um, yeah. I mean, in the... In the vein of great movies, uh, tonight, yeah, we're talking about Richard Donner's films, his past, and uh, all the things that he's done uh, in his in his wild lifetime up, up to the age of 91. Um, and 91, eh? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he was still, you know, he's still going. I think they, they were, I'm pretty sure there were talks of another Lethal Weapon movie, possibly, so... Wow. I think I think it's been years since he did direct his last film, so I don't know if that was ever actually going to happen. But if you saw him in interviews recently, he's he was still sharp. He was still, you know, able and and going along strong. So it, it was yeah, kind of a surprise. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that in in his untimely tragic death, I'm hoping that the uh, the guys over at It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia will actually make a full length version of their Lethal Weapon movie. And uh, oh, release that in in <laughs> honor. <laughs> the, the version of Lethal Weapon Five, so good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was. I was just watching it last night. As I was last night, the night before, I'm I'm streaming through Always Sunny for the very first time, and I think oh, it actually came up like as I was falling asleep, and I heard Le- Le- I heard one of them say that they made Lethal Weapon Five, and I kind of woke up for a minute. And then I you haven't seen it yet? Like, no, I haven't seen that episode. So oh, I need to go back. Dude, <laughs> do yourself the biggest favor. They do two of them. They, 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 there's one of them. And then in, I think it's the previous to last series, they do it again. But it's like pretty much the whole episode is Lethal Weapon. Dude, it's the funniest fucking thing you'll ever see. It's so good. But anyway, regardless, that's not what we're talking about today. We are talking about the, uh, the life, the career of Richard Donner. Now, before we get into that ride, do you have any announcements? Um, I, well, yeah, I'm going to just say that, you know, the same couple films that have, uh, playing recently, they're, they're still up and on there uh, and you can just, uh, search for others still the water or open your eyes. They're streaming. Uh, and if you want to see anything else I've done, I've recently done a little search. And if you just type in my name, just type in RY and then Barrett, pretty much most of my movies that are streaming on random things will pop up and you can check any of them out. So, um, there's a bunch on Apple and, uh, yeah, whatever. But I'm not going to plug anything majorly tonight because we're kind of talking about somebody else tonight a little bit too. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Now, yeah. don't just skip over me and assume that I don't have any announcements. Well, I don't want to do that either, Wee-Wah. I know I know that you, you've probably got some a little uh, something important to say, some announcements over there. What do you got going on? I, 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 I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just wanted to feel important for a second. That's all no, right, I, 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 I could books. I could probably talk about uh, I could probably talk about a few things, but for the time being, I think I'd rather throw the attention on tonight's episode, and then maybe I'll throw in a little shout out or something at the end. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm yeah, I'm interested to hear hear what that's going to be too, and uh, and that's going to bring us to yeah, we do have a guest. We have a guest tonight. Uh, we have the awesome. Michael Pereira, who's uh, you know he's a director, he's a he's a film nut, he's a, he knows his shit. He he's a, he used to be he used to write for film magazines, uh, critiquing and articles and all that kind of stuff too. But you might have seen some of his short films starring a certain character named Nash Carruthers, who's in one of the uh, best characters yeah. ever. Yeah. So and he's uh, you know he's appearing in something coming soon too. I don't want to give too much information until uh, Mike is is here with us which is any minute now. Um, and then we can let him talk about it. 
So, uh, what do you? I mean, right? What we're talking about the guy? He's standing behind that big creaky door there. I he's mean, behind the, yeah, he's behind that curtain. Should we? Be, let's bring them in from. Yeah, let's bring him in. Mike, where Mike, are you? Get your ass in here. Oh, here. <laughs> oh, there he is. Hey there, buddy. How you doing tonight? Great, man. How are you? We're good, and things are just getting better. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, yeah. so, so, was kind of thinking, uh, like, once we get into once we get into things here, we're going to talk about you, Mike, and and with all the things you're working on right now and everything. When we get into the Richard Donner stuff, I'm assuming because we could this could turn into like a five hour podcast if we don't yeah. kind of limit ourselves. So maybe we can kind of start at like a high a high point, one of his major films, and then kind of move forward and. You know, we'll talk about each one is in depth, and then maybe we're, if we're yammering on, we can get a we want to pop in and be like, you know what, we maybe should move on to the next one or something. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, no, this can go. This can go on forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing. I I, I can be. I, how how often is it that the director gets directed? Yeah. Well, there is. There's some major ones I th- I'm sure we'll we'll talk a little bit more about. And then there's like with some that have a lot of cool stories involved too, which are kind of maybe the first four or five that we might get into. And then we can, you know, do like quick takes on the other ones. But yeah, but in the meantime. Yeah. Go oh, sorry. Mike, what are you what are you up to? What are you what are you doing in your life? What are you working on? Uh well I'm working on this little film called uh, Chamber of Terror. We're presently in post production. We just picture locked uh we're presently working on the score um and we're also we start working on the sound design as of next week amazing awesome yeah we're trying to get the movie ready uh, by september 1st that's kind of like a little goal that we've set for ourselves now a little uh just just jumping in here uh, other than our uh, our awesome uh richard donner expert over here uh mike also has our good friend Ryborg in a couple of his movies. Yes. I, I, yeah. <laughs> we, Joey, so, we, yeah. Joe, Joey saw me as uh, one of the, one of uh, a very fun character that I played with, with uh, Mike. <laughs> so actually I'm glad, so I'm glad that came up because I, I've been dying to tell Mike, I, this is the, so for the listeners there, this is the very first time I've ever spoken to Mike. Uh, and I've been dying if I ever met him to tell him the story and why I'm such a big fan of what he does. Um, so Mike, when, uh, back, oh Christ, I can't remember how long ago it was. And right, please feel free to fill in details I miss. But, um, there was a, there was a little, little film festival going on in Toronto. Rye helped me out with the name of it. It was, I, I forget which one, which Which one thing was it, was it Spring of Horror? Was it, was that the Carlton? No, no, no. It was, no, it was in like a little art uh, it's a little art center on Spadina. Yeah, because it wasn't at one of the. It was at a different festival. Because I remember you told me about it. I wasn't even sure if I. I don't think I'd ever been to it before. Oh my god, Spadina! No. I don't know unless they screen it without my. <laughs> it was like it was so small time. It, it, do you know what? It was mostly like a um, like a fan expo type thing, um, and it had like a, you know, and it, it had like a bunch of sort of like memorabilia you could buy and things like oh, that. And I you go down to the basement and it had just a, a projector set up, a tiny little room where you go watch this like looping, um, looping uh, video of all the shorts. Horrorama. Uh, that's probably. That's, it was definitely Horrorama. Yeah, sounds about right. Right? Bathers, right? It's at that old church. Yeah. That, oh, that's right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah um, that sounds anyway, right. So, yeah. 
so moving on yeah so uh so yeah so my uh my partner um she wanted to go to this horror fair and you know i'm i'm i, I we hadn't even been dating that long and she turned around she's not a huge film buff but she turns around and says oh i want to go to this horror film thing i'm like fucking yes let's go and um <laughs> it turns out that her friend from australia her friend's husband had actually made a film and it was showing in this little tiny film festival kind of horror thing. So we decided to go and, uh, you know, just, just to watch this horror film and we're shopping around and stuff. Anyway, we go down to the basement to watch the reel. Now, obviously we don't know when this film's coming up. There was no time schedule. It's just a loop. So we just sit down at any given moment and then uh, Zendavi lives comes on. Uh, and this, uh, sorry for, for, for people that are listening, uh, that's one of Mike's uh, short films, uh, also starring, uh, say, Nash Carruthers, is that his name? Yeah, yeah that's, that's a, yeah. Nash Carruthers, yeah. Um, <laughs> the character Nash Carruthers. So we know nothing about this. The first thing I know is that um, Rye appears on the screen, and I'm like, and I just shout out in the middle of the fucking thing, that's fucking, that's Ryan, that's fucking Ryan. Like, I'm like freaking out. Like, that's fucking Ryan, I know that guy, he's my buddy. And like, we just like, oh my fucking God, what the fuck's Ryan doing in the movie? That's the first shot. And then we're watching this movie and honestly, we fucking, the whole crowd, the whole room of people that previously either looked really confused, really bored, or just kind of like, I guess a few of them were supporting their own movies or whatever. The whole room was just fucking dying laughing, just laughing. Their asses, I found it so funny. And it was, it was such a really well put together, hilarious piece of cinema nestled in, I must admit, a lot of crap. Um, and <laughs> it just it just felt so good. And, you know, a lot of stuff I will watch, if Rice is in a movie, even if it's literally two hours of him doing jack shit, I'll watch it because it's got Ryan in it. But that was <laughs> honestly the first time I'd watched something with Ryan where I was saying it didn't even need to have Ryan in it. I would have been entertained regardless. Um, and it's, it's so funny and it's so violent and it's so, so much, so, so many good lines and uh, like, yeah. And honestly, I, I am actually a genuine fan. Like, I'm not just saying that just as a part, it took me by surprise and it was, I hated this. We both, we both agreed that it was the best film that showed at that thing, even doing way better than the film we went to, we actually went to see. So. Wow. I'm a Thank fan. you so much. That's incredible. I did. I really wanted to sit and watch because I love watching movies with audiences because um, that's what you make movies for, right? You make, make them for audiences. Yeah. But I unfortunately, was really full, so I said, uh, you know, I'd rather uh, let someone else sit there and who hasn't seen it, you know, you know, take that seat. So we kind of, uh, yeah. So I, I only heard that people really liked it. We end, I think we ended up winning uh, audience choice award. I don't know how they voted, how that got voted, but I guess because of the reaction. I say probably from the laughter because you could just hear it. And even when even when we went to the other like little exhibitions or whatever around the around the the, the place that was being held, you could still hear people roaring with laughter in the basement. And exactly. because we watched the whole loop, I can only assume it was from the same movie because, like I said, there was none of them that actually elicited that kind of reaction before and after that. So yeah, that's incredible. Because like when you when you make these things, when you write them, because it starts there when you that's probably the only time when I'm in the process of like being an audience member is when you're writing because you're, you're, you're kind of discovering it as you write it and you're making it for, yeah. I, I look at myself as kind of like the audience member as I'm writing it. Um, yeah. So that's the only time that I'm really gauging whether things are working. And then, you know, obviously when you get the post, uh, you just kind of, the movie kind of takes the shape the way it wants to go and you never, and you never really know, um, you know, whether it's gonna work, but you know, you just get to stick with your instincts and what you think is funny, and 
I hope that people will enjoy it. So like, yeah, I'm really happy that uh, that chamber, you know, I, I only got yeah. to see it with a few audiences and it went really well, especially when we uh, played at uh, Shockstock in London. It mm-hmm. uh, tore the roof down. Good, it was, good place for that. <laughs> yeah, and they loved it. They loved it. it and, uh, I'm just going to say too, like, um, we well, if you like Zandelvi Lives, you're going to love Chamber of Terror. <laughs> I, I, I had a feeling. Madness. I had a feeling. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Honestly, like, I got the... Um, I, I, I felt like I loved the character of Nash Carruthers. I, I thought he... As soon as he walked in, I was like, oh, shit, this is this is getting real now. And it was just hilarious. I mean, it was hilarious from the start anyway, but it was just, yeah, he was such a good character. And to know that he kind of had, uh, you, you made a, a previous movie with him in, right? Two. Tim, yeah. Two. Two. Shorts. Okay. Two shorts, yeah. Timothy so McCarthy, he's, he's, he's a, awesome. He's, he's, a, he's a killer, man. He's awesome. So Okay, yeah, yeah. So he's he's been a recurring theme. And to know that you've now made a, a feature-length, uh, a feature-length movie Along the same vein, along the same kind of humor, the same kind of gore content, the same everything, with that character in it again, I don't see. Okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop sort of going on about this. All I'm going to say to anyone listening right now is take yourself to YouTube, type in Zendavi Lives, or uh, d- sorry, Michael, just remind me of the the two previous movies as well. Uh, Deathbox is the other one, and. Uh... It's and the other one is like a Nash Crothers bumper that we did for Tron After Dark, but it's it's all there on my uh, on my uh, short films playlist. So if you find okay. Zendavi Lives, is the easiest thing to search. Yeah, Zen Zendavi Lives. Like search that, and I guarantee if you spend that fifteen or so minutes like laughing your ass off like I did, Chamber of Chamber of Terror is going to be right up your alley. And I know <laughs> what it's going to be for me as well. So yeah. I'm just I'm busting a gut to see it. I really am. And it's it's a, it's basically a feature length insane you know the same kind of tone horror comedy but like with with some more money some more production value some you know bigger set pieces and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's gonna be i haven't seen it yet but i've you know mike's sent a couple of little uh snapshots of this and that and i'm pretty stoked for it (laughs) so mike what was your um what's so where did where did this all start what was your influences i mean you clearly have a you clearly have a, a style you have themes, you have, you know, you, you have a set way of movie making and you obviously do the things you're, you're obviously making movies for about the things you love. So tell us like, you know, how did you get started? How did this whole thing begin? Uh, as far as I, as long as I've been a kid, I've, I've always loved, I love movies. I love horror movies in particular, like growing up on Fangoria magazine, uh, just watching movies that entertain me. Right. Like, you know, like I love like, you know, my uh, my dad definitely, uh, you know, you know, raised me right in the sense of just like taking me to movies all the time, whether it was like art house movies or whether it was a piece of entertainment. You know, I was I learned to appreciate everything, but entertainment was always. I loved what movies can do, right? When you're you're sitting there for two hours and and you have a great communal experience with people, and that's always what uh, what attracted me to movies, just the fun, the escape, right? I'm, I'm very like I make movies the same way. I'm a I'm a big kid, right? So I, I'm always thinking of that's what movies functions are is to entertain people. Right. Uh, especially yeah. in these kind of times. Right. But I mean, like today's so appropriate because Richard Donner, I, I, I not, I really think that's the root of like my love of movies starts with Richard Donner uh, mm-hmm. with Superman. Mm-hmm. So like, it's like, it started right there. And I fell in love with, I mean, the moment you can see, wow, a man can fly, you know, like it's, yeah. it, and, and, it, and you believe it. It's, 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 it's a magical. Magical yeah, it's an opening title sequence, right? The greatest opening title sequence in the history of film, and John Williams's theme kicks in like it's goosebumps, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's uh, I still think it's the greatest superhero movie ever made. 
no one's where it's 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 fantastical but it's also got a lot of like heart and it's really grounded in a reality mm. like that movie is just like uh lightning in a bottle it's it's perfection it really is i just i just revisited it uh like well two days ago i think it was and, and oh, the way that it's shot too it's just such an epic like classic movie making with style it's just so well done it's perfect. And and even, you know, I love to give him credit still for Superman, too. I know it's not in his filmography. I know he took his name off of it. But the majority of that film was shot by him. Right. So, yeah. Because they were both Superman one and two were shot back to back. So they were they were the same. Uh, it's really yeah. sad that we didn't get to finish I, it. But I, I think Superman two, even the kind of patchwork that ended up being with two directors and the, the other director was Richard Lester, I believe. Yeah. Uh, the guy who directed A Hard Day's Night definitely brought like definitely a campier more humorous tone which still like is still it's amazing but the dna of richard donner's movie is still there and it's Superman two is everybody's enjoyable as part one uh yeah the, the, those movies yeah just kind of paid the way for me right and uh yeah i make movies uh you know you know influences i mean it goes on and on right like you know uh, another richard donner movie which is influential for me is like the goonies right like it's the root yeah. of a lot of my movies too like just regular people having to kind of deal with like unreal things right and having to kind of you know uh i i'm more i'm attracted to regular people um you know taking on adversity to me that's just like that's what we relate to right to real to to the average joe and and nash carruthers is an average joe even though he's kind of fantastical i think that's what the favorite <laughs> character we, we build on that this is literally ground zero for the character we start at the beginning uh, I, I don't have any kind of order because I've made everyone to stand on its own two feet. So there's no continuity in narrative. But I looked at this as like, this is the beginning. This is where the character started. So um, and I really wanted to make him, you know, stay true to everything that people love about the character. But at the same time, um, it's a feature film. you got to grow. The character's got to grow. You can't have you can't have it one note for 90 minutes. Right. You have to have the character go on a journey. And so and I think hopefully <laughs> that we've done that we've, you know, that by the end of it, like, You'll love them even more. Just because <laughs> well, they go on a journey. Stuff. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it's, it's definitely quite a journey that he goes through in this movie. So we would, you know, obviously, again, just being a fan of what I've seen of your stuff, um, I think, uh, Rai, I think you'd agree that once the film is beginning to sort of, you know, sort of, uh, what, what, what stage is it at right now? Is it completed? Is it done? Or It's it's uh, it's just we're doing, we're doing, we're doing the sound portion and we're working on the sound design starting next week and we're doing the score and and my composers working on the score as we speak so, so i think we, once it's finished oh sorry no good no, we're, we're 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 getting near we're getting near the ending and we still have visual effects to do and we have color grading and once you've done that the movie's over okay well like i say once it's finished and you're uh, you're starting to put it out there for people to see uh i, I think right you'd agree that we'd love to have you back and uh we'll do an entire episode just based on you and your work and the movie itself Oh, great. Yeah. Thank you. No, I'd, yeah, I'd love for sure. to do it. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, and a lot of it ties with like with the movies that I enjoy, right? Like stuff like Ghostbusters, like the, again, the movies that kind of set your path, right? The, you know, so like, you know, it, it all ties in with not just me, but ties in with the movies that we grew up on. That's why I think like for Richard sure. Donner is like just perfect episode. Of oh, yeah. Because, like, There's so many. Uh, <laughs> the man's movie filmography, just looking at it. I mean, it's, like, ma it's madness. Yeah. It's and it's so fun. versatile too. It's like, it's insane. Oh, he's, he's yeah. all over the place. Like, yeah. He jumps from, from a horror movie to a fantasy movie to like a, a, a movie about kids treasure hunting to like a medieval movie to lethal weapon. It's like, yeah. and then he does it. Yeah. And then a Western. 
that's oh, amazing and, and, as well. And a lot of like he was built. He built his career on TV, right? Since he was a kid, right? He's. I mean, you look at IMDb. His his list of like TV shows that he directed goes on and on. Like he, not not many people know, but he directed six episodes of Wanted, Dead or Alive. If you know, it's a it's where Steve mm-hmm. McQueen started. Um, oh, okay. and, and it's actually if you if you love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Bounty Law stuff is totally based, based on, on Wanted, Dead or Alive. So oh, if you watch yeah. the opening, just go on YouTube and watch the uh, the opening titles for Wanted, Dead or Alive. It's exactly just about the same as Bounty Law. So wow. like, and, and he was very influential. I think he shot the pilot, I believe, but uh, he shot six episodes. He did what Tales from the Crypt eventually. Yeah, yeah, he, re- he revisited his like Western roots with with Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, Twilight and, Zone. Yeah, he directed six episodes okay. of Twilight Zone, which I didn't know. I mean, so the man we, was uh... a perfect. Before we, should... uh, before we get real into the really, really, <laughs> really into this guy, because you guys are already fucking jumping <laughs> right deep into it. Uh, I'm really thirsty, Ryan. I don't know about you, bud. Mm. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm pretty thirsty myself. Maybe we should crack into some brews before we dive into Donnerville. I mean, since since I'm taking a back seat in this, I I would really just like a beer, just so, so I can kick back and listen to you guys just like yeah. fucking entertain me for a couple of hours. I got my oh, Cabernet right. here. I got my Francis Coppola uh, Cabernet here, red wine. Oh, nice! Ooh. Film related, it, it works. It seems it's uh, of the, uh, another director of the same era. Yeah, my wife yeah, turned me yeah. on to it when she saw it. It's like, oh my god, it's Francis Coppola wines. Like he's gonna love it. So she I got. I gotta try it. it. Would you say it is a Cab Sauve? Yes, it is. I will have to try that. It's all I drink now. Like I, I tried a few other ones, but uh, this is the one that I love the most. I don't. The what is it? What is it you like about Capsalf? Ah, uh, it's nice and dry. Like there's a lot. There's a lot of nice like mixture of like fruits that I can taste. What does he have in yeah. here? Like there's like uh, there's like I don't know. If, like again, I'm not a, a a wine connoisseur, but like there's blackberries, flavors of plum, uh, dried herbs, toasted oak. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just delicious. It's just Sounds nice good, and dry. Man. I love my wine nice and dry. Uh, yeah, nice. I'm, I'm a I'm a fan of a dry red myself. Well, Rai, uh, what? Uh, hopefully, you've not got something too dry over there. What's what's wet in your lips tonight? Well, I actually got something quite quenchable today, and uh, it doesn't coincide that much. But I mean, I there's a spaceship on the on the can, um, <laughs> and so I was like, you know, Superman's an alien. It it that's a, that's about as close as I could get to connecting. I think, and it's called Zap, and Superman can zap his eyes oh, with laser that. beams and stuff, right? So yeah, I'm drinking Zap Pink Lemonade Sour IPA. From Nickelbrook, dude, we've we've totally had that already. <laughs> did we already? Did you get it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, did, I did it for um, I did it for our Pride episode. Okay, right, right. I just oh, I well, never had it's... it. I never had it yet. So I was like, I just saw the can. I was like, try. All I was thinking in my mind was trying to connect something with Richard Donner, and nothing was coming up. So I was like, <laughs> fuck, it's gonna be this. Dude, you know what? At the end of the day, as long as it's not Sparkle Puff, I don't give a shit. <laughs> We're going to start coming up with doubles. One more time, I'm quitting. <laughs> yeah. We're definitely going to start coming up with doubles, and that's we're coming up literally with just Blood Brothers brews that changes once a week kind of thing. Because <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, looking exactly. at all the beers, and I'm like, I've, I've had that. Wait, Joey had that the other day. I've had that. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> we've, we've had all the beers already, and we're like, what, six episodes in? Wow. <laughs> so do you know what I've actually learned from from – well, other than all the other stuff I've learned from my job, but something that I learned that has, has really stuck with me that I think you'll enjoy if you didn't already know, 
Did you know that every LCBO has uh, what's called a beer ambassador? And that person oh. is basically paid to to order to order beers, right? That they think would sell well in the store. So that's why every LCBO you go into will have different beers from the area. Like you like, you'll like, you like the same shit sometimes, you know, like you know, yeah. you'll have the same breweries coming up in every single LCBO. But you'll have some that will just literally have such a random selection of just crazy stuff you've never heard of from all over the place because their beer ambassador is clearly really into like craft beer and this and that. So yeah, it's worth noticed. wherever you go. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Do you know what? Like yeah. everywhere I'd go, like I'd go to like at a random town and I'd be like, oh, I don't need to go to the LCBO. It'll just have the same shit that everyone else has because it's government run. But no, I've learned that actually every single one has that certain person who buys the beer for them just completely based on their own tastes or based on what the rep has sold them. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I've, known, I've noticed that. That's the, yeah. that's, that's the way you should run a business. Yeah, oh, for sure. You, yeah. Franchise, yeah. You, should, you should definitely mold it uh, based on, like, you know, what the taste of that uh, that particular area. Yeah. Different locations are going to want different things, right? I've noticed oh, that sure. uh, some of the – some they must have wine reps too because I've – gone into places looking for something sp- specific and they, they're like oh no we were carrying that and then for some reason now we're not anymore and we don't have that but then i found it at another lcbo so it must be the same thing yeah. for everything yeah 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 they've just got a person in there that buys that section of stuff that they think would sell there and that's why you get different selections of different lcbos which has made me so much more interested in lcbos now well we were what are you drinking well, sir, uh, I am actually drinking something that you touched on uh, the week that we were speaking to Chad, which would also put this particular brewery now in our Brew Hall of Fame. Mm-mm. This is the Raked Over by Wellington. Ah, dude, it's good. This is the IPA with mango, pineapple, and habanero. Just because you were talking about it last time where... You know, you yeah. talk about that spicy beer from Blood Brothers, um, and I was just—it's like, very oh, man, similar. I really want to try that. I really, yeah. really want to try spicy beer. Um, so it's six point nine percent. The can art is friggin' awesome. It's got like a crazy pineapple skull <laughs> with just all kinds of flaming chilies around it, and also it's crazy shit going on. Um, and yeah, congratulations to Wellington Brewery out of Guelph. Uh, you have made it to our brew. Hall of Fame. Yeah. Thank you mostly to Chad because he featured two of the buggers on his last thing. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to tucking into this and tasting what a spicy beer tastes like. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that because, uh, yeah, can't go wrong with Wellington Brewery. They're my my hometown brewery too. So, cheers to that, Wellington Brewery. And yeah, and well, hey, you're gonna uh, enjoy the raked over. It's it's friggin' tasty. I can't. I can't wait any longer, sir. Should we crack a lap? Yeah, let's crack into these. Cheers. Okay, it smells like a regular IPA to me. Oh yeah, that's some good lemonade. That's my kind of lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nickelbrook. Your five point six percent Zap Pink Lemonade Sour IPA is exactly what I wanted right now. Thank you. All right, so this is this is a really thick, dark IPA. It, in fact, you could you could be mistaken in thinking that it's like a like a New England style, like super super like deep color. I'm yeah, just I, I feel like I feel like if someone poured this out in front of me, I wouldn't think anything of it. And taking a sip, I'd be like, oh fuck, there's, uh, there's oh, a the spice spices there. Yeah, 
The sweet, the sweetness okay, and the spice is very, very noticeable, and it's good. Dude, that is the, oh man, that is the strangest sensation. <laughs> That's so strange. Like it, it does. It it tastes like a really oh fuck me. It tastes like a really quenchable, delicious IPA, but your throat is on fire. Yeah. And, and you got the pineapple sweetness in there too, right? It's like having yeah. a spicy Hawaiian pizza with your beer. <laughs> Man, I am so into that. Wow. Yeah, it's a good wow, one. Oh, that's I'm a, good. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that one. And and yeah, the Sweet Heat too from uh, Blood Brothers is – they're very they're very similar. The Blood Brothers one is a little more of a sour, whereas that one's a straight-up IPA, and they're both really good. See, it's combining two of my favorite things in the world. It's 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 hoppy IPAs or juicy IPAs and spice. And I love spicy food. So, wow. Well, then yeah. that's done. Um, we've got our drinks in hand. Should we dive into Richard Donnerville? Yes, please do. Absolutely. Um, are you guys cool if we take – obviously, yeah. We uh, Mike, you touched on already that he's, he has a huge – television past of directing going back to where's his first directing credit down the 60s down i mean for tv he's been doing forever i think that's why he's so versatile as a filmmaker that he's he's directed so many different kind of tv shows that i think it's just it just was natural for him when he when he went to movies was able to jump a jack of all trades right he could do any genre and he do it does it really well he's he's and he does have everything even this is just barely even touching on like his very so his very first directing Credit is uh, Zangre Theater TV series in 1960, and then skimming through, yeah, Wanted Dead or Alive, Route 66, Wagon Train, The Rifleman, Doctors and the Nurses, The Twilight Zone, Mr. Novak, Yellowbird, Man from Uncle, Tries of O'Brien, 12 O'Clock High, Wild Wild West. Man, he's got tons. And this is, I'm scrolling and scrolling, and I just hit the movies. He was a kid, too, I think, when he was doing that stuff. Like, he just. Yeah. Yeah, he was a total veteran when he got into big movies, right? Like, he. Uh... He knew what he was doing. Can, I was going to yeah. say, like, he was 90, he was 91 years old when he died. And, like, you know, Lethal Weapon, Superman, uh, Goonies, all of those were, like, mid to late 80s. So he was. He was, like, he was quite, you know, he was an older yeah. guy when he was making these movies. Yeah. yeah like, so, like, his... his he was, was active from the 70s to... 70s to 70s and 90s was when he was... Actually, no, 2000s when he stopped. But uh, he was active yeah. right at the end, yeah. He's, um... So, yeah, so he had been... Doing all television, I think he had done maybe a couple of TV-made uh, movies, which were, you know, movie of the week things that, back in the days in the 70s. Yeah. And his first big one was a huge one. Um, it's It was The Omen from 1976, yes. which has a crazy story about it itself. It's like his first couple of movies have such story and lore and con- con- uh, controversy around them, like The Omen, Superman, Into Superman 2. There's some crazy shit, so we should. I think we should start in on the Omen, and then we'll uh, segue into Superman's because, yeah, there's some there's some fun stuff here. Yeah, I'm not too not too sure about the the backstory of the Omen. Uh, yeah, uh, aside from seeing the movie, I, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about the backstory. I'm curious to see. Are what you that. talking about the uh, the curses and stuff? The, right? the the curse, yeah. It's so it's yeah, considered yeah. as one of the one of the like classic cursed films. I, Mike, I don't know if you've seen. Did you see the series? Uh, doc series on shutter called uh i think it's just called cursed films yeah i i didn't see the omen episode 
So the, it's 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 worth watching, and it's I was doing some more reading into it and stuff like that. And there is it's I I didn't know that actually until because I knew all the stuff about uh, the shot the Exorcist and um, you know a lot of the other the the Poltergeist stuff, but the Omen was kind of a new one too. So when I heard about that, I, I started looking into more details about it, and it's pretty crazy what happened with that film. I mean, it being about the Antichrist, the birth of the new antichrist it uh i think there was um multiple car accidents to cast and crew um two of the main who was uh, gregory peck and the writer david seltzer i want to say um they flew to to wherever they were shooting exactly in separate planes like two different flights both planes planes were uh, struck by lightning wow yeah um, the hotel Richard Donner was staying in was bombed by the IRA, and then he was hit by a car. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's crazy. Um, where, what else was there? God did not want that movie to be made. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Gregory Peck uh, was supposed to in mid production. He was supposed to fly somewhere and then fly back for a weekend or something with his family. But he he because of the, the schedule, he canceled the flight. The plane crashed and everyone on it died that he was supposed to be on. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> no yeah, idea. and then what? A seer, the the special effects artist. This is like in post production. Uh, John Richardson was in a car accident and he was injured pretty badly, and his girlfriend was decapitated, like what happens in the movie. And there's uh, there's multiple there's other things about uh, people being struck by lightning and stuff too. And that's just a list of like that's the short list, and <laughs> it's pretty crazy. That was just that was Richard Donner's first big movie, and he was dealing with all of that stuff happening. Jeez, well, I had no idea. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. If if you can check out the 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 doc series on Shutter, it's it goes way more in depth about it and stuff. But it's uh, yeah, it's a, a it's, you could call it a cursed movie. It's specifically what it's dealing with. I think well, something really worth noting about the Omen uh, is that. It has probably one of the best shock openings of any horror movie ever, um, with the uh, the nun hanging herself from the from from the roof. <laughs> oh yeah, it's yeah. all for you, Damien. It's all for you. It's all yeah. for you. You know that whole that bit, like you know that the fucking credits haven't even rolled yet, and it's just like, oh shit, this this movie's <laughs> gonna be a riot. You know, <laughs> like it's just such a good opening, and then it just gets fucking darker from there. Yeah. yeah, not the uh, decapitation sequences in Sanity. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I remember when I was younger, I used to be really, really interested in like special, uh, you know, horror makeup and special effects. And as a kid, I actually thought that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a makeup artist and like a horror, you know, like do uh, the horror prosthetics and stuff, that kind of stuff. And I remember watching a documentary. Uh, no, sorry, it wasn't a documentary. It was uh, Universal Studios in Florida. They had the uh, the horror movie makeup show thing that's rest in peace isn't there anymore um but they used to show you like live how they did these things and they did the omen the omen part and they showed you like the um the decapitation scene in slow motion and it's fucking flawless <laughs> it is. Like, even to this day that was a great show that was a great show yeah, yeah. Oh, oh you saw it uh at universal studios florida yeah it's still there is it still there it's still there Oh, I, I, I need to go. I, I, I haven't seen this, so I need to go then. <laughs> um, it, but the thing is that on the website, it doesn't really advertise. You have to really search for it, but it's actually still there. Um, so it's like one of the few remaining 
um, oh. attractions from like the old, you know, because like it's it's changed so much since I've I've been there. When yeah, I was yeah. there, they still had a, a, an incredible Alfred Hitchcock uh, exhibit. You know, oh, so uh, with the psycho re- house and stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh, man. But you can recreate like there's like you know like they would they had a 3D birds movie. They would show you how they how the psycho uh, the shower scene was shot. They actually yeah that's right yeah yeah, yeah. oh so good but it's all gone. Yeah. Ghostbusters show King Kong. All yeah, that stuff. Oh, that's sad. The Back to the Future Yours one. Is gone. Oh, Back to the Future was which is the best replacement. <laughs> Back to the Future was the best ride of all time ever, ever, yeah, ever. Like, so sad. To be fair, the Simpsons ride is pretty good, but it's not a Back to the Future in the slightest. No. And it's Hopefully they'll uh, bring those back to life. You know, they they should revive those, and even if they just do it for a certain amount of time or something like that, it's I think it'd be worth it. Oh, it's totally yeah. worth it. I don't know why they got rid of it in the first place. Back to the Future has never died in popularity, right? Ghostbusters, no, never yeah. died in popularity. The Ghostbusters one was really great. Yeah, classics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what about the replacement with like Fast and the Furious rides and fucking Transformers <laughs> and shit? They're just they're just playing to like the modern audiences, but it's just uh, it's made me just really not interested in going back. They got rid of Terminator Two 3D as well, which is like, perfect. Which is like, such you know, a good fucking show, and like it was so good. And they just, ever made. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they've got rid of all of that because they're trying to cater to modern audience, as if the kids of today have never heard of anything prior to two thousand. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's ridiculous. But, and you think, anyway, and, not- and no one goes to those theme parks and like, oh, I'm going to skip the Terminator ride, the Back to the Future ride. I'm going to go on something else. Like, no, if anything, no, they're going to go to the fucking the go to Yeah, exactly. Alive when they want to remake it one day. I mean, like, God forbid they remake Back to the Future, but I mean, like, if it, it's, it's to me, it seems like in their best interest to keep those rides still going, to keep that IP still alive, right? So it's yeah, it's and still, you know, add to the park, add new rides if you want, but keep those classics there because they're what everyone remembers and knows, and they're all stars. Yeah, yeah. and Waterworld is still going strong, which is crazy in the in Hollywood. I uh, sorry, in the Universal Studios Hollywood. Waterworld is still like alive and kicking. That's done show. The Waterworld show is still going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's still going. I, I, everything else kind of got lost. I think. I think the uh, the university is in Hollywood. I think they've kept a lot, a big chunk of their. I think a lot of the uh, rides got put into, um, got amalgamated into into the uh, into the studio tour. Right, like oh, rides and yeah, live action right, shows yeah. and stuff like that. There's a lot of uh, stunt work shows that go on with that. Yeah. That's cool. That's it's cool that they keep some of that stuff too, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing that the Hollywood one. I think it would attract a lot more like avid film goers because of where it is, right? But I think that so the Florida one is more of your casual kids are going to Disney, that the adults will go to Universal or whatever. You know, it's kind of it's kind of trying to sort of adapt to p- play to your general audience, I guess. Whereas the Hollywood one, because of where it is, would try to apply to a, a, right. a you know. A, a more um, film-going audience, but apparently the one in—is um, it Japan or Singapore or anyway? Uh, one one of the uh, one of the Asian um, Universal Studios has still got like Terminator Two, I think, and still got back to it. It's still got like a bunch of the original shit, just because I don't know, they, they love that shit. Now, did did back anyone back ever at, at any of those like locations? Was there ever a Superman show that made you believe you could fly? Because no, there should have been. Well, because, because I Superman mean, wasn't a universal picture, was it? Oh, it was it? Six Flags yeah. is the only place that has a Superman, but it's a Superman roller coaster. That's uh, right. And it, right, right, right. it was like the biggest roller coaster in the world for a fucking long time, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Because it would have been under Warner Brothers at the time. And then, I don't know, switched hands or I don't know. 
But I mean, the the movie itself, it deserved. Yeah, the roller coaster is. I mean, it deserves more than that. Yeah, yeah, it deserves like a real visual show kind of thing, mm. doesn't it? Yeah, it's one of those films that like. So revisiting very very recently in the past few days, and following it up, I watched um, the Donner cut, which I had never actually gotten to see until just now. And I always sought it out, and I just I could never find a copy of it. I could never find a decent uh, streamer of it, and whatever. That night, I I, I rented it back to back with uh, the the original Superman, and holy crap, is it a different film altogether? It's it's so much better. I mean, you can tell that it's not Richard Donner's like complete vision that he would have wanted to do because, because there were certain things that he didn't get to finish on it before. He was ridiculously fired before the first one even got to get into theaters and become the massive success that it was. Cause they're uh, yeah. Like it just doesn't make sense. They, uh, Ilias Selkine, the producer of the, of the films was apparently a bit of a, a bit of a loser. I mean, cause you gotta be to fire Richard Donner from this movie that everyone like the cast and crew talk about how much they loved working with him. And um, Margot Kidder, Kidder was, was depressed afterwards because she wanted him to be on board and she had to go back and her character was kind of like take there's parts taken away from the character she was made a little like lois lane is much more sharp in richard donner's version um especially yeah. if, you, if you compare those two cuts she she figures out he's superman in the in the sequel right away and there's no like drag out sequence of her kind of hemming and high she notices it's him figures it out and is like you're superman <laughs> and it's like they just move forward with that instead of like goofy sequences and all the stuff that they, I mean, I still love the original sequel. Um, oh, it's fantastic. I mean, like, yeah. I, I, you know, we grew up, we grew up with it as, as and, kids, right? So it's, it still has a huge impact. It's, yeah. it just shows like the DNA, no matter what, even uh, Lister couldn't fuck it up. Right. Like it was, no. It was, and, and Donner had shot so much of it already. And the actors, the, the whole cast and crew, everything was just so perfect already. So it's like that is still stuck in my head as, as a childhood classic that I'll always love. And then having just seen the Donner cut, it's just, we, it's weird to be like, Oh, this is all, all this footage seems familiar, but it's new to me. And the fact that Brando's character is much more important in the, in the sequel. Yes. He's like, he's almost entirely cut out of it in the other one. He didn't want, apparently he didn't want to come back after Donner was gone. Yeah, Same thing with, I think I think with Hackman as well. Hackman did too. Yeah, had a really strong stance and didn't didn't come back for any reshoots. Yeah, there was I think it was him, Hackman, um, and I think two other actors who did not come back for any any reshoots because they were like they just said put their foot down. And but I mean, the fact that uh, Lester cut out Marlon Brando from this film and that whole sequence that he's in it actually makes so much more sense. Oh yeah, it's a great sequence, which it's actually just... was kind of repurposed uh, before. But before the Donner cut, I Superman Returns came first, right? Before the Donner cut, I think so. I think that kind of might have sparked the the reason why the Donner cut like actually got put out because Brando's because they used unused Brando footage, right? Yeah, yeah, which which is great because I, when that came out, that kind of I think re sparked interest in in everything, and I think they interviewed some of the original. Uh, cast members and that was was when margot kidder mentioned that there's like so much footage somewhere in a fault that they never used in in the sequel and then uh there it was like it was very similar to the Zack snyder uh recut of of justice league there was like fan outcry and letters sent to the the studios and stuff like that and they ended up releasing the donner cut which is cool yeah it's great it's, it's too bad he didn't get to finish it because 
it's a hard version. It's a, it's, it plays more as a great curiosity. It doesn't mm-hmm. kind of hold together as because he's using screen test footage. And in the end yeah. of him winding back time, doesn't quite work. It's a, I don't know. It's I don't a know if that's it just feels like you're kind of regurgitating the ending that you already had for the part one. I yeah. think like the, the Lister cut ends is a lot stronger, but I mean, again, I, I I don't know if that's was by design. If that's. Yeah. I kind of feel like there's, I feel like there's a lot more that Donner wanted to do with it. And, and that, and that final cut isn't necessarily his, his final cut, but it's like yeah. much more of his idea and vision and, having shot them back to back and then being fired from the sequel when everything was coming together so well. And then the, the, the original was such a hit. It just doesn't, none of it makes sense to me. I don't well, know. Looking I back. Think if the original came out, I think you would have had second thoughts. Yeah. It would have been, Sometimes it would have been a different, not got rid of him. especially when you, you notice the moment he was gone. I mean, again, I, I have a real soft spot for Superman three uh, against, you know, despite better judgment, you know, I love Superman three. No, that's not even that one. Quest for Peace is, is even rougher, but I actually, oh, I, actually really love, <laughs> I, I don't love the third one, but I, there's parts of it that I love and I will sit and watch it anytime. Like it's still a fun movie. I adore three. Like I literally have like, you come to my place, there's a lot of Superman three memorabilia, uh, like card sets and stuff like that. Like, you know what? Because I think it was it was it was kind of like Superman one, two, and three were my Superman movies at that age. Yeah, yeah, and for so sure. Three has a really big impression, and also just because like they don't make movies like Superman three anymore. It's bad. No. I still love like the opening sequence where he where he freezes a lake and carries it over a fire to put oh, it out. Like that's amazing. Bad. And then the whole sequence where he's fighting the evil version of himself. Oh, it's I, flawless. Yeah, I mean, like those. There's so many cool things in it that I just I always loved. So as a movie as a whole, I'm like, I'm like, it's maybe not the greatest one, but it's still, it's still a lot of fun. Yeah. Christopher Reeves is, is like, again, like he is like the reason why that series sticks together is because he's so strong. Even at, even at the series worst, he's always keeps the dignity intact of the part. So like, yeah. it's, uh, it's amazing when you got a guy who's just kind of per- perfect, no matter where they, they steer it. He just, he's always kept it in check. Even Quest for Peace is more, far more watchable than it deserves to be. Yeah, it is. It's just, I remember, I think I saw that. I don't know how old I would have been at the time, but I watched it on like the the super channel. And I remember I I used to watch some movies when you remember they used to scramble TV shows on channels. Yes. yes. So you you could hear that you could hear it, but you couldn't actually, you could see a scrambled vision and you could kind of make it out. They used to do that. And I was such a, like a little movie geek already that I would turn it to the channel and watch it all scrambled just because I could hear the story and what was going on. And I just wanted to know what would happen next. So I remember watching that and I, we would get um, like free preview weekends where it would unscramble for the weekend. Yes. And we would, yeah, me and my brother would just buy a bunch of blank VHS tapes and record the entire weekend for for those. We'd like pull a tape out, put another one and hit record. And uh, Superman quest for peace was one of those. And it, it was like, it was not nearly as good as the other ones. But still just fun because, yeah, Christopher Reeves, I mean, he's just such a fun and great Superman character. Yeah, I, I, I'm old enough to, to admit that I saw Superman 2. Superman 2 was my second movie I seen theatrically. Uh, first was Popeye, then was Superman 2. So I, 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 I was cool. lucky enough to see all four Superman movies. Actually, all five, include Supergirl. I, I saw them all theatrically. <laughs> I still need to see Supergirl. I've, I've it's tried to find great, it. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it's on the level of Quest for Peace, in my opinion. Yeah. I think it's just 
It's about the same. It's directed by the same dude who directed Jaws 2. Oh, uh, right, right. Well, oh, I didn't mind, you know, yeah. I, I didn't mind Jaws 2. Some people oh, I think it. it's I a mess, Jaws but I, yeah. I, I appreciate it more. Jaws, more Jaws 1 and 2 are fine movies. Yeah. Absolutely fine movies. It's, it's, uh, well, no, when, Jaws, when we, Jaws 1 is fucking phenomenal. It's yeah. not a fine movie. It's phenomenal. But Jaws it's, 2 is, yeah, it's fine. Jaws 2 is a decent sequel for how great the original is, for also, sure. And it does enough new things. Uh, it's great because I think, like, John Williams' score is exceptionally good in Jaws 2. Like, where mm-hmm. he, he doesn't, he takes the bold chance of not repeating anything of Saw, uh, of Jaws, sorry, Saw, uh, of, uh, of Jaws at all. And he, it's a very fresh score, which I like. Because rarely, now, especially with the Superman sequels, when, because I know, um, John Williams bailed after Donner got fired. So they had mm-hmm. some kind of, they had some kind of second string guy come in there just to literally just recreate the scores. And they're very much like 80s. Like they have like a very kind of like a very synthesized sound to them. Yeah. yeah. Even, even, even the orchestral sound very tinny, uh, even though it's like part of the charm of them, but it's, it, it's a, it's a big difference. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. And you know what, that, that, and that there's many times that this will get mentioned too. I mean, it, it happened a bunch in Superman or Superman 2, if a director is fired and you have cast and crew who refuse to, to join in on the new production, that means that director is awesome. That means they treat people really well. They're very re- well-respected artistically and as a person because, like, as an actor and as somebody who works in, in film on, on a bunch of levels, I if, if I were to have a great director fired from a, a production, there's a good chance I'd walk myself. And that, it, like, you doing that? You're, you're yeah. definitely the type of guy who would who would do that. Well, it's just I don't know. I I just think it's it's a sign of a good director. It's a sign of uh, they're a good person. They're they're artistically great and they're highly respected. And that's any. There's a lot of other little things that that Donner did that it showed. You know, he was a good person too. So He's an it's always director. always cool to know that about uh, heroes. You know. Yeah, he was he's definitely an actor's director. Like absolutely, that's one thing that. You ask anybody like there's you look at his filmography. There's a loyalty, definitely. I mean, like actors that keep coming back. You know, Mel Gibson. You know, yeah. coming back consistently. Like the and like Lethal Weapon. It's a testament to the Lethal Weapon franchise that they, he was able to keep the cast intact all four films. Right, no one bailed. They stayed right to the end. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. Either loyal to him and they're loyal to the to the franchise. Uh, I I know just doing some research on Donner that he script was definitely very important for him. Um, which is uh, a growing lost, lost art of just like yeah, how, exactly. uh, how scripts and, and that's what he fights for, right? Like the, he believes in the screenwriter, the story, of keeping, yeah. keeping them on set, you know, which is like an unheard of thing now. It doesn't happen in movies anymore, where like the writers are they're they're treated like shit. Uh, you know, they're never they're never really brought on on set. But Donner, you know, like if you read on the Superman stories, like you know, the Donner, it, I actually do have a copy of the original draft of Superman because Superman one and two were written together. So it's actually, I have a copy of the script. It's like one massive, like three hours. Is that the, the Mario Mario Puzo? No, that's actually a draft before the one. The, the Mankiewicz. The Mankiewicz um, uh, right. wrote is is when Donner kind of stepped in. So the Puzo, so Puzo, Puzo wrote the Puzo the original, draft. like I think yeah. Puzo, Puzo wrote the original. The Mankiewicz kind of like did some changes, and that was the final, right? Something like that. Yeah, actually, the Puzo one is pretty batshit crazy. Like it's, it's kind of, <laughs> if anything. A lot of like where Superman three and four went, a lot of that is kind of like Puzo kind of like influences that kind of like <laughs> kind of held together. Cell kinds wanted, and Donner fought them. Apparently, not making those Superman movies, he just he fought them tooth and nail. And that's well, what it's a good started. a good combination of those two guys or all three guys kind of working on ideas and and tweaking them and stuff. Yeah, 
Because yeah. Donner had a really like a real pulse on that character and what made Superman appealing. And, and it shows to this day, no one's ever been able, I mean, in my opinion, have never been able to get the character right. Yeah. So it's, moving through 1978 through 1980, that brings us through the Omen or, or 76 through 80. That brings us through the Omen and Superman era. And then he jumped into two more really great films that, that were released in the same year in 1985. Mike, you were talking. You're skipping, you're bypassing. Uh, how about the toy? Oh, the Isn't toy. That- yeah. Well, even though the toy's kind of, I don't know if it's kind of canceled now because when you kind of watch it now, it's like, geez. It's well, it's like, it's got like, some I'm, controversial I'm, racial biases in it, but, but it's, it's kind of charming. Tell me more about the toy. It's kind of the commentary. Kind of the commentary too is itself is that it's not supposed to be that, but it's just that it's like on on a base level you look at it and what the the like the synopsis is. It's about a rich guy buying a a black man as a toy, basically. Because he's oh, wow, <laughs> that's the like that's the base synopsis, but it's not that it's not that it's not as bad as it sounds, kind of oh, thing. No. But I mean, because Donner was sentimental, right? Like, and that's he was carries on with his film. I know Radio Flyer gets shit on a lot because of how Radio he great abuse. But I uh, but I mean, but he tackles everything with a really sentimental kind of like a very sensitivity to everything. And I think like it's amazing watching the toy, and I, I was really ready to cancel it. Now watching yeah. it again. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I, I actually haven't seen. I haven't seen it. In, I've seen clips and bits of it, but I've never seen the whole thing. I love Richard Pryor, so my I do want to like find it and watch the whole thing. My kids love the toy, so like that's how I, I uh, they discovered on television. It just, I it's a, it's a remake of uh, like a French film, right? I'm pretty uh, sure. Apparently, which I've never seen the French. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I think it is, but I like I I was just skimming through some stuff, and I was like, in the other, there's another movie I skipped over to Inside Moves, which I've never seen, but I've heard is actually really good as Neither well. Have I. I've never seen it too. But I was just kind of moving into more of, uh, you know, his well known and well loved, uh, the, the one that you mentioned earlier, Mike, that I said I've I've seen and I love it. I love the cast, but it's been it's been a while. Since I I've just seen saw La- it yesterday, it was my first time. Lady Hawk. <laughs> yes. Such a cool premise, too. A pretty crazy premise. Again, like it just shows that's that was Donner's touch, right? Of, of keeping everything grounded. As ridiculous as the as the as the premise is, he keeps it really grounded with a real sincerity. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what he did with every movie. He always, even Superman, as fantastic as it is, it always feels grounded in a reality, right? I think that's yeah, why. Absolutely. Uh, that's why. What's his name? Christopher Nolan always. Uh, you know, points out how influential those movies were to him. Uh, and that was the basis to the, where the Dark Knight trilogy was built on because, was, you know, Donner was the one who kept it, you know, was the one guy who kept that really great the reality, scale, kind of, yeah. but all, all, but always felt kind of grounded. Yeah, absolutely. And like this, this guy, I love any movie. And like the fact that he cast Rudger Hauer is like the, the heat, the lead hero. I love seeing, I love Rodger Hauer. I love seeing him in anything. And then you also have, uh, who else? Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. And uh, Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Yeah. Who Who else? Who else played in that? Uh, well, I, I, like a war games kind of uh, tie in here because like uh, the the guy who plays the the uh, I guess the guy who created the war games is also is like the villain in uh, oh, okay in Lady Hawk. He's like the awesome. like the bishop. War games is, is a cool. classic. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder if it was around the same time War Games. I think was eighty. Was it? Was it? Was it? Mid- it had to be r- right around. Yeah, I'm thinking eighty five, eighty six, something like that. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. It's kind of interesting that those that they were kind of him and Broderick were tied to two movies. Yeah, 
There's yeah, and and something slightly different than things they had done at that time too, right? Oh yeah, so. totally different, totally different films. Yeah, but Lady Hawk was really charming. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I need to revisit that one because it's been quite a while. Oh, Alfred Alfred Molina's in it as well. Yeah, and a great cinematographer. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Vittorio Storaro, who shot like Apocalypse Now. Oh, okay. Informist, so, like a really like sophisticated cinematographer doing like fantasy. A guy who rarely dipped into making Hollywood movies. Right. Uh, that, that was well, pretty, that's kind of kind of one of Donner's like go tos as well as his his cinematic like look is just it's so classic looking. I find it's it's such a each movie has a specific look and it has a throwback to a specific other classic genre movie of some kind of type and he really really focuses on that i love i think that's one of the reasons why i love his movies so much they just look so so beautiful and the story you know it all comes together yeah and it's very classical like the way he shoots he's not a stylist in any kind of way it's very mm. clean and very like you always get a sense of geography when you watch his movies yeah i know he's yeah his movies are all always really well shot he's one of the best directors of staging action Right to the end of his yeah, career. Absolutely. Probably he, one, one of the best. Like, And he does, I think he does have the style in there, but it's so intrinsic in everything that you don't, it's not in your face. It's so, like, it just makes sense with the entire overall picture of whatever that picture is. Oh, yeah, like, there, sure. there was a shot in Superman I noticed the other day where uh, it's after uh, Jonathan Kent passes and Superman's about to leave and he's talking with Martha in the field. And it's this long shot of the two of them in the middle of the field and they're the only two people kind of in the world at the moment. And it's just such this gorgeous shot. Like it looks like a painting. Yeah. And it's so stylized, but you just don't notice it because it's, you're so in the moment. And it's, it's just, yeah. just such a great, yeah, just a great example of how good he was. Yeah. And then we get to the Goonies. The Goonies. Which I'm sure all three of us could probably chime in on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Goonies because, never yeah. die, man. No. Goonies never say die. <laughs> even though, even though it's like, it's amazing, you know, you're always watching, it's like, wow how racy it is or how kids movies used to be reminded you how racy kids movies used to be. (laughs) This and the monster squad. Those are two that I was was just about to say the monster squad. (laughs) I was literally watching it. It was on TV the other day. So I just kept it on and I was like, I can't believe this passed as a kid's movie at some point. Yeah. It's violent. It's gory. It won't anymore. It's so violent and gory. Yeah. And it's scary. And it's, yeah. There's like, so we got monsters in the monster squad and it's, so it's like, it's like a full on horror movie. And in the Goonies, we have like real, humans adults like scary people chasing kids and out to try and kill them it's all like these are two pretty dark concepts but then you look at how they're made and they're both just so fun and they're not they're not traumatic in any kind of way for kids who actually watch i remember watching them when i was a kid and i wasn't traumatized whatsoever i just loved them and i wanted to watch them again and that chemistry getting those performances out of children which i i hear is not an easy thing to do and he was able to get Oh, they're great performances like lightning in a bottle. Like the chemistry, you really feel it in the Goonies. I, actually, I think that's the one thing that carries on his whole filmography. There's a really great sense of chemistry in his movies, right? His ensembles are so well cast, and oh yeah, uh, you could tell he he runs very like light, fun sets because like it, you really feel like how close everyone is on set. Like everyone is really close. Absolutely, uh, Goonies, yeah, it's magical. I mean, I love the Monster Squad; it's fantastic. But the Goonies just has this kind of like the sense of I think the chemistry is is what really stands out you know? for sure. It's, 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 everyone is so great together. And chemistry. And then the fact that it is, it's almost like he threw these kids into an, in an old like forties pirate movie. <laughs> like yes. they're on this wild adventure, but it's like per, 
production design is Spielberg level, like produced, obviously produced by with pop music of the eighties and everything. But you just take these kids and throw them into a crazy pirate kind of adventure treasure hunt movie. And it's just so fun to watch. It's such a great combination. I'd, I'd like. I would love to. I'd love to meet. I mean, I'd love to meet Spielberg for a, a multitude of reasons. But <laughs> I know this was. I know this was only based on a story by him, or that this is basically his his story. But I would love to speak to Spielberg and ask him how he managed to make a bunch of movies that were basically aimed at families that were like family. They're known as family movies that managed to like get past the censors in so many ways. Like you think about the Goonies. And we're talking about how adult it is. And then you look at Indiana Jones and how adult that is and Jurassic mm-hmm. Park and all these movies Polter that he guys. made. Polter guys, fuck. Like, you know, yeah. you think about all Gremlins. these movies that are super. <laughs> they created yeah, the exactly. PG-13 yeah, rating. They like, yeah, they rewrote, right? they like, rewrote history. Like, how the fuck did he get away with this? But I guess it's because it's Spielberg, I guess. Like, you know. <laughs> it's a, it's um, that it light makes... touch that he has, right? Like that sense of a family that, that kind of, I think like, I, I think, I think. These the APA gets really really sucked into tone, right? I think the tone, yeah. the tone like just how grounded the family and how relatable. I think you can somehow slip a lot of that stuff by if you're really kind of charmed by the movie, right? And I think that's what's 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 so great about those films, right? It's yeah, it's sure. true, he, and that's one th- one thing. Uh, everything that Spielberg has done, if you if you look at that, he does he has he has like some sort of a family unit in even the movies that he's not directing at all. There's just a family unit in there of some source that really like it I don't know, it it's uh it's it's when especially when it's like an adventure thing for, you know, aimed at at kids or teenagers or something. It always has some sort of a good message about like, you know, we can beat evil by being together and and backing each other up and stuff like that. Goonies has such a strong message that way. Yeah, and Goonies feels like a middle chapter of a, of, of, of a saga. Right? I've always like as a kid, you know, I was always sad that we never got a sequel or even a prequel because like th- that world is so well worn. You know, like you really feel like you're you're jumping into like like you feel like you're part of that adventure and you feel like you're one of those kids in that neighborhood and that closeness of the neighborhood. And again, the Goonies is really kind of. But I know we've seen it a million times in movies where it's always about some some tycoon trying to tear down the, the town and they have to raise the money. But I think Goonies does that the best because it's because you really feel like it's like if that happens, their friendship is shattered, right? They all kind of go separate ways, right? Yeah. And you really feel like they're really fighting for something. And I think no movies captured it quite as well as the Goonies. No, it's a it's it's great for that, and it kind of I I think it kind of set the the bar for that. I mean, especially for not I, I, it's hard to even call Goonies a kids movie because I guess it is, but it's not at the same time. And it kind of set the bar for for family or kid or teen movies that had that same sort of. You know that that core. Yeah, adults. I think if you, adults love that movie. Even when it came out, adults loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still do. It's it's still got a very. It's not even a cult following. It's just a it's just a following. You know, no. it's just got a. It's it's a very iconic movie. And I, I do you it's know what? Like, I find really in... kids no, films. No, like it, what was the last great kids film? I can't think of. Or what were kids and adults love equally? And I can't. Yeah, it's really... tough. I, I mean, like live action. I mean, Pixar still makes good animated films, but um, live action, nothing, nothing. You know what? I, th- I think the last the last movie that I saw that I enjoyed that is marketed as a kids film was the uh, Detective Pikachu movie. That was which yeah, I've never seen. It was it was not bad. Yeah, it was it was fun. It too. was good. 
it wasn't don't get me wrong it's no home alone and it's no goonies and it's <laughs> no like you know it's it's not like anything like that but i watched it and i was like yeah okay this 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 like you know i don't know that much about pokemon or anything but watching it as an adult i was like yeah this is actually not bad it's actually quite well made and it was actually a pretty good movie and it was like live action with the cgi and it had like you know morals and it had points yeah and stories it was good yeah that's don't get me wrong, the tone it was, is it aimed for that kind of a feel that's for sure I think like Zathura, yeah. I might yeah. go as far back as Zathura is like the last one where I felt like really worked, and no one saw that movie. Which, Which one? Zathura. Oh, I love the Zathura. Yeah, which is like the uh, Jumanji <laughs> scene. Chris Columbus again too, right? Oh no. Uh, no, no, that's um. What's that's, his name? Uh, John Favreau. John Favreau, right? There was because it's very similar to Jumanji, but it's like a space version of it. Yeah. Wait, and, I, and, and I'd argue. Um, I know it's controversial to praise Michael Bay, but the first Transformers movie <laughs> has that Spielberg DNA in there. Like just I like because, Bumblebee. Like, yeah, I, no, I, no, I, but, but I, also it's like a kid getting his first car, right? Like, and that's yeah. And apparently, that's how it was pitched to, to Michael Bay. That's how Spielberg pitched it to him. Like, this movie is about a kid getting his first car. That's the, the Spielberg car, yeah. type, right? Well, like, again, yeah. the sequels, this I'm losing that, but uh, but that's the core that makes that movie. I, but again, like, I can't think of one. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, Goonies no, is. Something you just don't see. Yeah. So, uh, Ryborg, I'm not going to lie to you, buddy. My uh, my throat is on fucking fire. I'm going to need to put that out with with something. Uh, but before I, no, you know what? Actually, no. Fuck you. You did the first one last time. I'm going to do the first yeah, one this time. Go ahead and douse that fire. Really get it down. Yeah, buddy. So uh, the next one I'm going to have. Uh, so so th- that first beer was a local for yourself. It was a um, it was a local to your hometown, and. Uh, I mean, they don't sell many, well, not any good London beers out here. Not London, Ontario, London, England. Um, so I can't really go close to my home. However, I can go close to my home now. And uh, this is a beer from the George Brewing Company, uh, which George. is a very, very little micro brew located on Main Street, Newmarket. Uh, it's only opened up since COVID. Uh, so it's very, very brand new. Hmm. Uh, really cool little spot. Um, they've got like a bunch of different sours and they, they actually make sours like the real traditional way where it's kind of, they still have like a little bit of that like malty back taste to them. Right. Um, <clears throat> it reminds me of, remember, you remember when we used to go to the greater good and they had that one that tasted like the, um, the gummy cola bottles. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. That was weird. But it was good because it had like a real, it had like a kind of a multi, it's like yeah. aftertaste, almost right? like a wine. It's like a wine flavor mixed in with the beer, that's almost something like yes, that. Yes, that's yeah, that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, the wine taste. So that, so that's basically what they're, they're they've got this cherry sour that kind of yeah, it kind of has like a little bit of a wine kind of base to it, like the classic. Um, but it's still I think, got the sour. Is it Roden Rodenbach? Rodenbach? Or is there, there's, there's yeah, I think that's, that's there's it. a yeah, yeah, there's a classic sour that's been around for a long time, and it kind of has more of that flavor that you're talking about. Yeah, and it's fucking delicious. Um, but what I'm drinking today actually isn't one of those at all. Oh, well. um, yeah, I know. I don't even know why I went into that <laughs> whole spiel. Um, this is um, this is called Here Comes the Sun, and it is uh, just a straightforward IPA. I know Good nothing song. about this. I'll be honest. Uh, I just I bought it from the actual brewery just because I really wanted to try another uh, like one of their IPAs. Um, it just says IPA. I don't know anything about it. It's seven percent, and it could be a hazy. It could be a New England style. It could be a Vermont style. It could be just a straightforward multi IPA. All I know is once I crack the can, that's going to be my first try. You'll know it's in Indian Pale Ale. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, um, yourself, you mentioned it in the sours. So, and I just so happened to be holding one in my hand from collective arts. I got the Mai Tai oh. sour and it's with uh, orange oh. juice, lime juice, bitter orange peel and orange. Um, oh, fuck me. That and sounds good. it doesn't really have any connection to the movies at all because I just saw it and, and Jess actually spotted it out. And, um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Yeah, no, fair enough, man. It's uh, my, neither as you've as you've noticed, neither both of mine were just something I saw and said, "Fuck, I want to try that." <laughs> rather than it came down to that. This, this was a last minute thing, so uh, the last minute switch of topics. So we just kind of had to go with the flow here. Pretty much, and, uh, Mike, are you still on the Capsav? Yeah, on my second same one. Class. Yeah, same wine. Ooh. I'm boring. I have like this. That's probably yeah. My wife is no. more the uh, connoisseur than I am. That's, this is pretty much all I drink, alcohol-wise. It's all good, man. It's not boring, man. Yeah. Boring. Yeah, fuck. Sipping vino a is a it's a tasty thing, especially when oh, you yeah. got a good one. Like I say, man, you could have quite easily have come into this podcast and had a fucking sparkle buff like everybody else does. So <laughs> uh, just so glad that you've got something different. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I would have – I definitely – if I'm going to drink – I'm not much of a beer drinker. I only do it if it's – it's uh, drinking parties, but I mean, but definitely that spicy one because I love spices as well. Definitely sounds intriguing. It's pretty oh, yeah. tasty. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's well worth a try. I'm a big fan of that. And I, I love, like I say, I still have that tingle at the back of my throat. And it's, I'm really looking forward. Like the, the, the next part is extinguishing it. And I think that's going to be just as, just as <laughs> satisfying. Well, should we crack into them? Let's do it, buddy. Here we go. Okay, so from smelling it, I'm not getting oh, but from the color, I think this is gonna. Oh wow, actually, do you know what? This is the exact same color as the uh, the Wellington Brewery one. Nice. Oh no, no, sorry, it is darker. So I've got a feeling it's going to be pretty malty. Yeah, mine's a little a little on the darker, cloudier side. Um, it's very tasty with very strong and like orange juice, lime juice, and and yeah, the bitters. You can taste the bit bitters in there for sure. That's tasty, though. So I kind of expect with these these smaller breweries, I'm always looking for sediment. I'm always thinking like, oh, this is going to be like a real chunky beer. And this one's actually really, really smooth. They've, they've really filtered it well. Um, but you know me. I love I love chunks in my beer. So I'm, yeah. I'm slightly disappointed by that. But All right. Well, bottoms up. Let's try this. It's kind of as I expected. It's 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 a traditional, ever so slightly malty IPA, but smooth, really smooth. I, I've had a couple of on our shows in the past that have been malty and they've been kind of kick you in the face malts, really bitter on the tongue. This is a very easy drink. Not not overwhelming of any kind of flavor. It's just very smooth and very easy to drink. Beautiful. As as yeah, is, as is this is a very orange juicy beer. Very mai tai. Lemon and lime citrus. No, I guess there's not really much lemon here. Just lime and <laughs> citrus. orange and orange juice. Yeah, strong yeah. on that with the bitters, that? a little bit of the bitters to cut it. <clears throat> yeah, you gotta love that little bitters taste at the end. And how's that, uh, Francis Ford Coppola wine going down? Gorgeous, love it. Beautiful. Well, wonderful. Um, right. So the, we're jumping into two more f- amazing films after another two and another two. He's 
Yeah, it, it seems like the, there's like a dual like one-two punch of Richard Donner having hits like in a year and then the next year. But before we get into a big one that we're going to kind of discuss the whole series, let's get into Scrooged, which came out in 1988, the year after Lethal Weapon. Um, I, What can we say about this film? It's one of my favorite holiday films of all time. I love so, Bill Murray. I love the special effects in this, the Danny Elfman music, the design, everything about it. It's just, I can watch it over and over and over again and never get sick of it. It's probably one of his most stylish movies. It really, it almost feels like a Tim Burton movie. Mm -hmm. it I was going to say that. It could easily movie. be a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a Donner movie until like the ending. Where it seems yeah. to kind of, yeah, it, it, where it feels like, it starts, starts to feel like a, uh, yeah, but, uh, and uh, or maybe the movie, the, the movie within the movie that he shoots, like the, uh, What's what's that movie that they show in the end? The, the night the reindeer movie? died. Yes, like that feels like a movie there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that part is—it's uh, hilarious. The script is hilarious. Bill Murray is hilarious. All the supporting characters are so great in it. And yeah, this—it's interesting too because I've always thought that too. It has a Tim Burton feel, and it's not just because of the soundtrack. Like the the look of the the, the demons and the creatures that are all popping up and and like the dark kind of atmosphere but it's weird because burton wasn't full-on in that mode yet because this came out in 88 yeah. Yeah. we had he had done beetlejuice i think at that time but but it wasn't like i don't know it's it's, it's interesting that it definitely has that flavor though it's definitely one is dark horse movie in the sense of just like it, it doesn't quite feel like a donner movie ever and it feels there are moments in the movie as much as i love the movie it feels like he doesn't always know what like the movie is always on the on the brink of just kind of falling apart. It feels it's really kind of a little it's, cluttered, a little messy. Yeah, on the, in, on the way it goes, but it's 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 cast. And again, that's I guess that's. Uh, I think it's Bill Murray. Donner <laughs> always brings really strong performances, and yeah, he was able to uh, get these actors to really bring sincerity to their performances. That that comes through, but the movie itself, like I feel like he doesn't always. It kind of remind me. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a really a deep dive here. Uh, a movie. From uh, I don't know if it's 1992, 92 probably. Uh, uh, Toys with Robin Toys. Williams. Oh yes. Which oh, yeah. it's directed Robin by a, a, yeah, but it's directed by a, a really respected director. The guy who directed uh, I'm forgetting his name. He directed uh, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. No, 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 not Sonnenfeld. It's the guy who directed Rain Man. Oh, um, he directed um, Wag the Dog, which is fantastic. Um, he directed Bugsy, which is super underrated movie. Uh, Bugsy was great too. How come I don't know the director? What's his name? But but it's a guy again. It's, it's a guy who's out of his element. Directed Barry Levinson. Yes, Barry, Barry Levinson. Levinson. That's exactly. who I was. Sorry, that's who I was thinking of. I always mix up uh, Sonnenfeld yeah. with Levinson. No, I'm it's doing the same. Movie, yeah, it's, it's the one movie in his filmography that sticks with the sore thumb. Just, even though like it's weird, it's it's a script that he wrote that took ten years to get made that he spent 10 years trying to get made. And when you see it, it's wonderfully original, but it's just like a mess. Uh, I, yeah. I, 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 I've, I've always appreciated it. I know it's same. It's I saw it in theaters. Yeah. But it's, uh, so did I. And, um, but, but it's weird when you see these movies, like a Scrooge just feels that way. It just feels like it's kind of unhinged. It's kind very, of very comparative. Yeah. Very and I, 80s, I think, 80s. I think that might be because they're very um, established or like well-focused directors. And I feel like both of these movies are hinge on the performances of Bill Murray and Tim or in Robin Williams. Yeah. I don't think the script was exactly there. Like yeah. A lot of it was ad-libbed. 
Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. I think that's why I think it feels like sort of on the edge of of zaniness and craziness because they kind of let these guys go wild and they're so good when they are allowed to do that. But then to have a director who knows when to rein it in and have those quiet moments, and you have like the, the Karen Allen character who really brings like oh, the heart, so so and she bring, and she makes Murray have the heart in those scenes too. So it's like I think he I think it's that's the feel of the movie. It's like his his comedic craziness and then when it needs to be reined in and the style and all that needs to come together like that's where donner's there for it yeah and that ending which feels like it it's such a weird ending i don't know how to, i can't <laughs> put my on it but it feels like it's it feels like it's like a, 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 like a, like an outtake so it, it keeps yeah, going and it does, going. yeah it, it drags but it's not boring it's super riveting but it's like but it feels unscripted it feels like here let the cameras roll. Let Bill Murray. Oh, it feels roll. so real. Yeah, and hopefully we capture something. I don't, I don't that's think I remember cool. the ending. No, when he, it's when he's like talking to the to the the crowd basically, and he's like, "If you feel it, if you if you're with me, you like everybody's single." Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just feels script. like super like, unscripted. So and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember now. Yeah, it feels so loose. It doesn't feel like hmm. it's scripted. It's just uh, like a super happy Christmas movie ending. It's like it's like if if a wonderful life starred bill murray and all of a sudden at the end instead of hugging his kids and his family he just like did that but then all of a sudden started talking <laughs> to the viewer and just going off the rails yeah and it's kind That's of like what a it little, is in the way he says it. it's it's really wonderful and magical and uh, it's my favorite part of the movie because it's like it's oh man it, it makes yeah. me so happy every time i watch it i'm just yeah, like no, it really it, rains all that craziness in yeah and it is such a i mean the the christian anderson like original like the old school scrooge films Christmas Carol and all the they are they're dark man that's a dark story and they're most oh, most so dark. most adaptations of them are pretty fucking dark and that Alistair Sim one is one of my favorites and it's like a horror film so like I feel like they captured the darkness of that in this but making it a comedy they kind of got yeah. the horror elements in there as well oh yeah Scrooge is just like it's it's a it's, a, it's an oddball movie just just works it just finds that right and it's it's pretty magical but it's like I like movies that are not are kind of a little rough around the edges and, and same. Uh, they can bring it home in the end, and that movie does. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, movie. especially when they're because uh, you don't get to see that often in a big budget in a big giant production kind of movie. When you when you have those movies where you have an actor or a cast that is so loose and and so good at what they do that they're allowed to have that room to breathe and go crazy and kind of whatever. But as long as you know the director knows when to pull it back in and, and tie it together. Yeah, I like it to just think works. I like to think that there wasn't a good script and Donner just like, guys, you got to help me. And and, and he's <laughs> the guy who knows how to rein those performances to make yeah. it. Because usually that's one thing about his movies, whether you like them or not, script is generally really tight. Oh on yeah, a Richard Donner movie, right? And Scrooge isn't at all. It's kind of a little oh, it's loose. loose. <laughs> yeah. I I think I think he might might have because looking at everything so far, everything is very story based and based on like, you know, a, either a group cast or like you know, Superman is such a an element to itself. This is the first one where he was working with a wildly talented comedic actor as the lead, and I I feel like him and Bill Murray might have had meetings and just been like. Okay, so what are we gonna do here? And Donner might have just been like, you know what, you do what you do best and have fun with this. And Bill Murray did. Yeah, it could have been. <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> that's my take on it. Because then you look. Bill Murray's like no, notoriously known as having this kind of. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I'm not a huge Bill Murray fan, and I always get crucified for <laughs> by film fans for this 
But like I just I, I from you know the, the set rumors that you hear and stuff, he does have this kind of holier than thou attitude, and I feel like if you know like certain films that he's been on and stuff like the only people that really can stand working with him and are okay to is like Wes Anderson for example because he pretty much rules Wes Anderson films but in the case of this what's that oh Sofia Coppola yeah of course exactly yeah so um but with this I feel like if 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 Richard Donner kind of gave him the freedom to kind of do his own thing, which I feel, which you're right, I feel like he kind of did with this because he is he is very loose in this and he is very sort of open. I feel like if he gives him that opportunity, Bill Murray's kind of ego can kind of push the rest of the performance, you know. And it fits the part. I mean, like if, if you're yeah, gonna have it does. To well, that's it. That, that's the point of it is the fact that he's meant to be this egotistical piece of shit that doesn't care about anybody else, and it's the Scrooge part. He's perfect as that that part, and I think that's. Could have been a, a very good, it was excellent casting. It was, yeah, probably the best casting they could have hoped for. Well, really. And it's very close to Peter Venkman from Ghostbusters. He's got the same kind of yeah, vibe yeah, and style. Yeah. And I think that's part of the thing, I think, with just Miller Murray is. I think that he kind of conveys that, but he's not actually that. I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary about him, the, the stories about Bill Murray. I can't remember the title of it. But the stories about him that these people tell, apparently he's just the coolest dude ever. Like he'll show up at, at parties that no one knew he was going to come to. And he just like puts on a show and then, you know, buys everyone's alcohol and walks away. Like that's just kind yeah, of thing that, there's, that he's there's like, a wedding, there's a wedding one. I think. Uh, yeah. Somebody was at today. Apparently he's that. just like a super cool dude, but kind of, he's such a, he's so unique and weird and like out there that I think maybe some people don't know how to get that when they meet him. Cause he's Chevy probably, he's probably Chase a lot. Yeah. Chase I, is problem. Yeah. I have heard Chevy Chase is a little harsher on, in that. Well, no, but, but Chevy Chase is just meant to be a total fucking knob. But I heard he's quite misunderstood. Like a lot of people do mm. defend him that he's not. Oh, very, he's, very he's well, just could a be complicated guy. Yeah, very. A lot of comedians are. I mean, a lot of comedians are, and they they deal with you know other shit that's going on. I in their don't heads know, and, man. Like fucking Chevy Chase, like has he's fucked up so many opportunities for himself because of how much of a dick he's meant to be. Like Bill Murray, you know, it's my own personal not massive love of bill murray that kind of you know like but I've, you never really hear about him fucking up so many opportunities with whereas chevy chase i feel like any any hand that reaches out to feed him he bites like you, you hear all these horror stories about working with him and about how much of a dick he is and he's been that way since the beginning you know going back to chris columbus you know that's chris chris columbus quit fucking um uh the national lampoon's christmas vacation because he could not work with chevy chase that's such a great movie. <laughs> it's such classic. a great movie. Uh, and, and it's Chevy so Chase good, and I couldn't Chevy imagine anyone's doing great. it. But... When Chevy Chase is great. Oh, oh like, he's, yeah. well, he's excellent. Don't get me wrong. I, nobody uh, could do flat. Oh, dude. Chevy Chase, you cannot imagine anybody else taking Chevy Chase's place. And especially when you see the remake of Vacation oh, with, um, what's his name, with Ed, Ed Helms. It's garbage. It does not work on the same level. It's just It, it doesn't have that same feel. Like It's just not the same. Chevy Chase is excellent at what he does. However, he burns all the bridges that people build for him. He's, like he yeah. just like he's got he, a bad. A lot of it, it it circles back to the community. What what happened on with that show and stuff? But well, that's hey. the most recent example. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. that's a um, so, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Lethal Weapon. Yes. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen that movie or its sequels? 
Never, never heard of it. No, it's, <laughs> is it about a weapon that's really lethal? Is it about a gun? I don't know. What is it about? Well, I was, I was thinking about because we were talking about how he has this core family, like often, and well, like Spielberg does too. But this is kind of the first one that uh, establishes something like that in in an action film, and and continues it through that you know films like the series like Fast Fur- Fast and Furious and stuff try to really try to emulate. Lethal Weapon really does it in the very beginning and just continues through. It gets uh, arguably get improves on the on the sequel because uh, the first yeah. one feels like a, a it feels like Donner is a work for hire on the first one uh, because it's it's definitely uh, Shane Black's show that brilliant mm-hmm. script that he wrote and I think the second one feels like where Donner took over and I, and it explains too right because like because uh, that's when. Uh, screenwriter bailed right after that right? Oh, I think right. they, yeah i think shane black wrote a draft and then he just kind of threw it out and i think that's when the series just took a whole different life yeah i actually prefer this the second the second one's my favorite in the series i i uh, love I, the first I, one but the I second one i love it. yeah i agree the second is the best but also like but I'm, I'm quick to always recognize that the second is only great because the first one sets everything up right no for the sure second one's allowed 100%. to run well, like it's weird that most sequels don't work as well as they do because *Lethal Weapon 2* is a perfect sequel, and it, it it learns, you know, hey, you know, we established this core, this tone, and it just kind of continues on, and it doesn't stop. No, it doesn't. Did Donna and direct all of them? Yeah, he did one through four. Yeah, it's apparently the same crew for most of it. I think just DP just changes every yeah. movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much everybody. Uh, and and you look at the third and fourth one, even when you know other franchises, especially through through that time, the '80s and the the '90s. A lot of sequels started to suffer when you got to the third or the fourth one. Oh yeah, and these ones—they're not as good as the first and second one, but they're pretty damn good still. Especially the third. The third, it, it, yeah. it definitely series like after that starts deteriorating, but it still works because the core like chemistry is there from start to finish. And and watching these open movies is like like a great TV series when you're watching it. You're you're, you're hanging out with family for two hours, right? For so sure. It always felt like a great comfort food. Uh, whenever you're watching that series, because you love those characters, you love the family. Because how many shows, how many, how many cop movies can you think of that you give a shit about the family? Exactly. None. Yeah. None. Yeah. Lethal yeah. Weapon is the only one where you care about every, and it's the every one character's the, family. Yeah. And the old like, series, yeah. they all came back. They never replaced anybody. Yeah. Right. Right to the end. Right. And then they kept on adding great. Uh, you know, Rene Rene Russo took it to another level. Joe Pesci. You know, they always added yeah. one great new element. Except for fourth, where Chris Rock just doesn't quite work. It's, he doesn't work for me as an actor, in my opinion, just because he's a comedian. First yeah, he's, he's a great comedian, not the greatest actor. But I, I don't buy I, him as a cop. Yeah, even though he's I, actually okay in the new song. I still dig four just for what it is. Like, and he he has a minor part in it, and it's mostly, but it is four still is taking the toll of like they're getting yeah they're getting a little older at that point it's not it's not taken the action level isn't at the same level as the other three I find it's a little more. I think the action's actually quite good. That car is chase is fantastic. Yeah, it, like it's still there. I just don't and think the it's is great. quite at the same yeah. as the other three. But you know what? I haven't seen it in a while, the fourth one, so the maybe I need to rewatch it. When they fight Jet Li. Jet, Jet Li is, is great in it. The, yeah. Arguably the best villain in the series. Oh, he's the, great at it. At least the one where you genuinely feel like this guy can totally kill. And I like that they have to double team to beat him. Yeah. I'm just thinking about all this the sequences and the chases in the first two. And then the third one, the the... The motorcycle chase, and he has to like slam his shoulder in to put it back in a socket, and, and the oh, fight so at the yeah. fire. All the, I mean, they're all great. I just thought that's the only thing that was kind of different in the fourth one. But 
it's, it's, have, it's been a while. It's got, yeah. the, it's got the Indiana Jones, King of the Crystal Skull kind of problem of just there's too much, too many characters. Right. Uh, but but at least uh, four doesn't lose its way as much as that one in the sense that it, uh, it it's it's still about them in the end, right? It's all about them having to overcome adversity, right? So um, now now because I haven't seen the fourth one in a while, do they still have the uh, this nice sax? In the score, yes. yeah, yeah. So, okay. If it's uh, if you know, it's Michael Kamen and uh, Eric Clapton collaborated right. on, on yeah. the score, and it's then the and Sting on. came into the second and third ones, I think, with with some uh, score third, too. Is the third one okay? Right, because I have I have the soundtrack to the first one on vinyl, but I don't have the other ones yet. I need to. I yeah. always love the music so, from these. Sting. So like, I always find that with. There's so there's so many movies out there that like if I haven't seen them prior to um, if I haven't seen them prior to seeing the parody version of them, I find it really hard to watch them. So I mean, don't get me wrong, I saw Lethal Weapon years ago, but I didn't just didn't remember. I saw it when I was like a, a lot younger and probably didn't pay that much attention. And then obviously, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Did their Lethal Weapon episodes, <laughs> and then going back to watch it again, I just I couldn't. It, it's the same as the the Simpsons and Cape Fear, like the episode with Sideshow Bob, and it, yeah. it's it's just an it's a scene by scene yeah, so good. parody <laughs> of Cape Fear, and watching that again, and like you try and watch Cape Fear now, and I'm just constantly seeing Sideshow Bob in my mind. You oh, know? I still love those so movies, we, though, man. Oh, so the original, oh, know, just, the remake. Yeah. Yeah. But don't get me wrong. Remember Loaded Weapon? There was like Loaded Weapon is oh Loaded load, load Weapon's cool. amazing. A loaded weapon. Fuck, I forgot about loaded <laughs> yeah. weapon. With Sam but Jackson. The thing, <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Like, there's so many, there's so many of these parodies and stuff, and you try to watch them again and take them seriously, and it's really hard to. But the beautiful thing about Lethal Weapon is the fact that it never really took itself ser- that seriously in the first place. It is kind of it's a buddy yeah. cop movie. It's very witty. It's very silly. It's very that. And you watch these, it's always sunny things. And you were just saying about the sax thing. I didn't even think about the saxophone solos and stuff yeah. in it i didn't even think about that whole thing until i just remembered yeah they keep using it in the <laughs> always sunny parodies and oh fuck it's so funny man and that's that's the thing it's it's yeah it's I need to these watch people that these people are obviously fans they're such big fans that they managed to replicate it so perfectly you know i've seen the Die Hard one where danny devito's crawling through the air ducts with the lighter oh yeah <laughs> no dude dude please after the, the for the love of God, please, after we finish recording this, go and watch the Lethal Weapon episodes of It's Always... Because you don't have to watch it in, in order or anything, but watch the Lethal Weapon episodes It's Always Sunny. I promise you, you you probably won't survive till tomorrow. I'll put it on my list. I'm going to revisit some... I haven't seen what, the third and the fourth one in a, in a little while, so I'm going to revisit those, and then I'll put oh, that on. <laughs> the third, the third, and you know what? And it's a very formulaic uh series like if they stick to a formula but it works because like that yeah. chemistry between the two leads in particular are are like flawless like uh, oh for sure right to the end those two you, it's magic right you don't always get that and i don't want the hello but lethal up in four it really marked the end of because we lethal up in four and if you remember the cgi kind of revolution kind of kicked in right and right. everything was jurassic park i think was just before right so everything was already teetering to cgi but richard donner was so stubborn um that he uh lethal open four is one of the last all practical effects movies Uh, whatsoever (laughs) yeah there should have been more people doing that yeah and and he never actually to the end of his career he never ever uh i think bought into cgi um 
I think that's why his career ended up ending, but we'll, we'll get to that at the end. But uh, but, <laughs> but Lethal yeah. Weapon 4, I love it because it still feels like a very much, like it stays true to the DNA of that franchise, right? For sure. That whole series is just, it's yeah, you can watch them front to back and they all feel like they are, they're, they're the same director, you can tell. And, and you can tell, and there's rarely that you see an action franchise that is that. Uh, I, I I don't know if I can think of any others actually. Uh, I mean, like Forty Eight Hours tried it didn't it couldn't get past the first and the first Forty Eight yeah. Hours is a work of art. But I mean, like, the I second still one, I I don't mind the second one either. But I, I like but the I mean, second, but it's yeah. definitely they it, only it, got to two. You know what I mean? Like, did we get? Yeah, but two, but two it, had problems, right? Like the second yeah. one had problems. The had studio interference, right? The, there is apparently a ghost cut of the movie out there. That's two and a half hours long. A Walter Hill cut. Oh, I would love to. And, and that's Walter that. Hill's preferred cut, and it hasn't been found to this huh. day. But apparently, they made him cut over uh, nearly an hour of the movie out. Yeah, I'd love to see more of that. It's it's yeah. hard. Like it's hard. I mean, especially with action movies too. Especially with you know with a a two parter kind of lead. You need you you need to have one hell of a director to pull everybody together for four entries that are actually decent. Yeah, and it's great. That franchise is like an anomaly. I think not even Die Hard. I, I, I'll challenge anybody. There's no action franchise that held up as well as Lethal Weapon to the end, right? And, and, and it never had a great... I mean, like for actual pure buddy cop movies, it never... Lethal Weapon 4 is unmatched, like in the sense that it, 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 even even where it ends, it feels like a good capper. Like it, yeah, it ends no one made it that far. No. Um, okay, so uh, in the midst of uh, the Lethal Weapon movies being released, there's another... You know, there's a few great films that he did as well. There's there was Radio Flyer that we touched on briefly. That's that's another great film about kids, but it's not necessarily a kids movie, and it deals with a lot much more going on. Yeah, and it gets criticized for being sentimental about how it approaches it. I know there's a lot of kind of love and hate for the movie. Uh, I haven't seen it in years, so I don't remember the yeah. Ending, say I, same I know the same here. Still, like, very discussed. Like everyone yeah. has problems with the ending. I think it's it's an ambig- I think it's an ambiguous ending, isn't it? The one kid goes off and he and he thinks he can fly and it just dis- and he think he like disappears, doesn't he, or something? And it's yeah, I have to see it again. It's really it's yeah. Really, I remember really I remember enjoying it, but it's it is a heavy little film. Yeah, I need to revisit that. That's one for sure. That and it got a lot of talk at the time, and it, it was considered solid. In between here, before we get to one other really solid one with with the uh, well, a few a few with Gibson. Tales from the Crypt. We got to talk about that quick because Donner was a, an executive producer on it. He did a couple of episodes. Yeah. One of yeah, and one was so fucking good. I always remember it sticks in my head because I actually um, completely hacked it uh, for a, a, a writing project in high school. I <laughs> just watched it um, late night on television. I think when I was I don't stay at my grandparents or something like that. Uh, but the episode, uh, Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone, which is about this guy who finds out that he has multiple lives. I think he, like, absorbs a cat's nine lives or something like that. That's a great episode. And, yeah, he becomes this uh, sideshow freak who gets killed for money for the audience. And he eventually loses track of his lives and uh, accidentally goes up on the stage for his ninth, and that's the end of it. But, I yeah, I ripped that off and gave it in as a writing assignment <laughs> to my teacher, and I got <laughs> I got like a really good like I basically adapted the screenplay as a short story, and uh, yeah, I got, I got a really good mark for it. But I always remember that one because it stuck in my head so much. Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, I, I don't really remember a whole lot about his other two episodes. The was one that he did. It's been ages. I have to revisit. I think I remember that one. It was um, Bobcat. 
Bobcat Goldthwait because I think oh, yeah, he had yeah, just yeah. worked with him on on uh, Scrooged. Yeah. And then Showdown is like a, I think Showdown is like kind of a revisit of something he did uh, one of his Western TV shows that he shot. It's kind of a revisit, but but I like a Tales from the Crypt flavor. I don't remember it. I think I ha- I have it on DVD somewhere. I think, but I haven't watched it in a while. But Tales from the Crypt was amazing. Partially, I mean, it might not have existed for Richard Donner. Like he was a big part in making it happen. So we definitely got to mention that. And then yep. jumping into Maverick, Le- or aka Lethal Weapon three point five. <laughs> yeah, it totally feels like a Lethal Weapon movie. It it even, actually does. Even, even Daddy Glover has a cameo. Uh, what ends up reciting like the, that famous line again, right? And his little cameo. Yeah, to go for this movie. shit. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's fun. I just It's really light. It's really charming and breezy. It's a it's, it's a fun western. Yeah, it's 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 not groundbreaking, but it's it's just it's just a good time. It's and it's funny. Everyone is great in it. It has great production design. I it's actually forgot. I forgot that it was Donner, and and then just popped up again. I was like, oh, I love Maverick. I'd love to watch that again. Yeah, it's really likable, really likable, like really breezy. It's uh, not as great as I remember it being, uh, or, or it's, I, I forgot how light it is. It's really light in its feet. It's really no weight to anything, but it is really, it gets by on the, on like, it's really well made. And the cast is like fantastic. Like Jodie Foster has, I guess I can see She's why her Mel Gibson are like apparently best friends because you can mm-hmm. see the chemistry is right there. Right? Yeah, for sure. And I remember it was a, I think it was a pretty huge hit too, wasn't it? When it came up. Yeah, it was a big hit. Yeah. 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 I remember seeing that at the Uptown opening night. Oh, damn. I wish I saw that in theaters. And then, so this brings us into, there's a few here. This I, is like I, where Chris starts descending. Yeah, it's not, I mean, Assassins was, was fun, but I don't oh, remember. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. So if you have anything to say about it, man, I, I don't remember much, but I remember it being fun. I saw it recently. Uh, my uh, my oldest really likes it. Uh, Assassins great. Like the chemistry is great between the two. Um I, I know it's it, it definitely it, there were some problems on that shoot because the, the Wachowskis wrote the script. Apparently, the original script is brilliant, um, and then Donner came in and changed everything. So yeah. I know I know that the Wachowskis are very unhappy with it. But I think Assassins is a, is a solid little thriller. Fun and cast. Why the chemistry between the cast? It's really well made. Um, it's likable. Again, I'd love to see what the Wachowskis had originally in mind. Yeah, that'd be. Uh, I, yeah, I need to revisit it in general. And uh, look into that, but conspiracy theory. I actually, I actually love that flick. That's a good one. I don't, but I have to revisit it. I, I remember no? not liking conspiracy theory. Just it feels like a mess. Uh, but I mean, it, 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 the great thing about it, it does have a really good, another yet another good Mel Gibson performance. Great. Yeah, it's. I think that's what it. Why I liked it so much. It's. It's not. It's not a classic. Um, but it has a lot of fun moments with Gibson and uh, Roberts. They're great together. Yeah, it's just a fun. It's just a fun movie. You can't take it too seriously, and it and has so many funny moments with him and the conspiracy theories and all that. It just, it was. Uh, yeah, I need just, to revisit it. I need to revisit it. I, I might have been harsh, and my expectations were really high because, like, because everyone involved, right? Like I, Brian Hedgeland wrote the screen, screenplay. Yeah, um, and he wrote. Uh, what's that one he wrote? That was really great. I like Night's Tale a lot. Super underrated. Oh, Night's Tale is great. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, LA Confidential. Like he had a really great run around that time. Oh, LA Confidential is one of my payback. Yeah. Payback is payback. great. Yeah. So expectations really high. Well, I need to. Yeah, I need to revisit that one too. It's been a while, but I I remember I've seen it maybe twice, but I uh, I I enjoyed it. A lot of a lot of fun with the characters. And I mean, those are his. 
I mean, his most talked about, I think, films to a point. I mean, we have Timeline with uh, Paul Walker. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's well made, again, like, uh, but it's well, and just like, again, like, not to piss on Paul Walker, but Paul Walker just didn't have lean, leading man qualities, like, the, that he could carry a picture. And um, at least for that, it just feels miscast. For like, that time, maybe, too. Yeah. It, for it, the time, like, he, he ended up getting great because Running Scared is brilliant and he's wonderful in it. Yeah. So like, he totally shocked me in that movie. But I mean, but here, I think this is just right at the cusp, or just right after Lethal, uh, right after Fast and the Fierce, right? And they're trying to push him as a leading man, and it just doesn't quite. And I was, I, I was just really bad. disappointed in the in the script with this because it was it's from a Michael Crichton book, I think. Yes. Um, and then we have Richard Donner directing it, and we had a pretty like a decent. There's more. There was uh, was Gerard Butler in that too, I think, or. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I thought I thought it was like a cool concept and everything, and it just didn't have anything really. This this the script was just weak. I found yeah, it's dull. I remember it being a dull and forgettable. I remember yeah. nothing about the movie. I can't. I wouldn't mind revisiting it, but I mean, like I I don't know. But it might, it might, it might be a reason. And I remember it looked great. It was a great looking like Don like all of Donner's stuff. It looked great. Yeah, it looked good. Um, and then we have Sixteen Blocks, Donner's last directed film, which is super forgettable. It's forgettable. Uh, I mean, the one thing I remember is that I liked the performances. I thought it was one of those ones that Bruce Willis really actually put in, like a, a different kind of performance that was was solid. But other than that, I think that's the only thing I really, you know, was memorable yeah. at all. Yeah, and he and, and I know he quit the the industry after that because I think the industry. I think that's when producers started taking over in studios, and um, and I think Donner's is a very old school guy, and he didn't want to conform or change the way he made his process. Well, no doubt. With... Point, he, he said it was just not worth making movies. If this is the way. Yeah. It was Considering so his passed. his past and his experience with Superman too, I mean, he probably was like, "All right, you know, I'm at this age, and my last, you know, well, last movie wasn't a hit. This one wasn't wasn't necessarily huge. No, Are people going to start? They, they might tamper with his stuff, and he might have just been like, you know what, screw this, I'm out. Yeah, I, I, oh, another one I'd be curious to. It's a good. It's got a, some good cast members in it. I'd be curious to revisit it. But uh, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I remember. I remember putting it on and not thinking I was going to like it as much as I did. And then I realized he directed it after I had put it on. Yeah, it's not terrible. So, I don't think like Donner no. ever made a bad movie. No, like, he, he never made anything like that was um, like a total mess at all. No, no. He's just one of those. He's. I mean, he's a legend. He's made a. Uh, handful like a bunch of um, legendary insanely loved movies and you know a couple that didn't weren't as memorable later on in his career which is you know that 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 happens but i mean overall he's he's a legend he made in his last uh what handful of movies he made maverick lethal weapon 4 conspiracy theory assassins that like yeah conspiracy theory was it was a hit too when it came out yeah it did well so yeah, he was doing well still right up to his, you know, last handful of films. So, yeah, the guy is uh, 82 directing credits. That's yeah. <laughs> that's wild. Crazy. Wow, that's, that's, that's a good and career. He was able to hold on long enough, but eventually a guy like him, right? Like it's the industry's changed, right? They don't want to <clears> they, don't, they don't hire directors with 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 strong personalities anymore. And, and it shows the industry kind of he kind of, I guess he walked away in the right time, right? When the, the director's power kind of went away. Uh, only a few guys have that. Maybe I'd say a handful of directors. Yeah, there's a few. Less, like uh, Christopher it's... Nolan and and might be the last guy who, who really – and Tarantino are the last guys probably that still have 100% like nobody tells them what to do. And they're able to be commercially successful. 
Yeah, yeah, I'd argue there's no other two, is there? There's, I mean, maybe Clint. Clint is maybe one of them just because of who he is and his history. Even Scorsese struggles though. Like Scorsese is is legendary, but he still struggled to put out to put out his like his passion projects. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But yeah, but Clint. But I think Clint has that because Warner Brothers loves that loyalty thing, right? They had it with Kubrick, where they they had that career, and I think I think Clint has got that relationship, right? Like Warner Brothers is built. When you look at his, re- his resume, Clint Eastwood. Oh. Oh I mean, man, he's. I mean, just it's so tied to Warner Brothers. Exactly, and and I mean the, his his word of mouth and his reputation and legendary stature, like everything about it, just kind of gives him that that power. I think for as long as he wants wants to keep making films and stuff, and I mean he's another. I, I think he's ninety one right now too. So, man, what a legend! Yeah. Yeah, and he's kind of like the the Woody Allen of like commercial filmmakers, right? Like the, just like crapping products, like at his old, like just continuously keeps making movies. Just like put it, yeah. Stops. I don't. Know I wish, good. I wish we got a few more out of Richard Donner because you know he. I feel like he had some more good ones in him, and maybe and we, we yeah we were talking about this earlier too that there was announced the possibility of a Lethal Weapon five in yeah, in yeah. production. It was actually going to probably yeah. happened so he said it was going to happen right he yeah was so determined right and it was going to be his return to the chair right so because i know anyway Which... he, he freely walked away from it and i think i guess he felt i guess maybe the situation was good enough at that time that the studio was going to let him do what he wanted what he wanted to do yeah so it's it's sad we will we'll never get to see him step up to do that again but i you know what i honestly yeah i don't, don't want to see a fifth one if he's not behind the the chair now too because no 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 it's, he was as much of a, he was just a part of that, just like the rest of the cast was and the yeah, crew and, and everybody. And so come back. They wouldn't yeah. come back without him. Yeah. I think that's one thing about his career. Like the, everyone's really loyal to him. Uh, and he's really great because he treats actors with respect, you know, and he was a, definitely an old guard, right? Like that. Yeah, right? for sure. The guy doesn't get pushed around by producers. You know, he always stood his ground. And he's, um, he was so sharp. So I don't know if, like, if you guys watch, uh, watch the episode of, um, Curse Films about the Omen and they interview him and he's so, he's very sharp. He's very on the ball still. So he was, you know, he was probably, you know, mentally good to do it for sure. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, we I all, we all get knocked by the age button, but well, here's an ode to, to Richard Donner then. That was awesome talking about all of his amazing films with you guys. It was like, yeah, how many he's... guys can we can we go on about a filmography this long? I know, right? I mean, I mean, fuck, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the timer here. We've yeah, we've really gone on about yeah. him for a, a good amount of time. Yeah, and I honestly, we probably could have gone on on certain films longer too. It was just like we gotta we gotta move because we still got these ones to talk about. So yeah, but yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Well, that was a yeah, that was a career career well you know well lived and well documented and uh it's one that you know he's put his imprint on the history of film and every we'll always remember him for everything that he's contributed and you know i just fuck him you know for some reason in my head i was just like yeah god i hope they don't make that lethal weapon five with i don't know michael bay directing it <laughs> oh no fucking <laughs> kevin kevin hart and logan paul or some shit i'd be like oh kill me you know yeah <laughs> not allowed no he probably, oh. he probably wrote it into his uh his will and legacy that that can never happen yeah and you, you could say like chris renolan there'd be no chris renolan without him i know chris renolan really yeah died that's fair richard donner there's a really yeah. wonderful if you guys have never seen it on the special edition it's like the box set for uh, dark knight 
the trilogy, there is a hour long interview with Richard Donner and um, Chris oh Bullard. shit, I'll have to look. Oh, no Batman, I, Superman. I have a box set. I have to double check and see if that's on there. It's the white. It's the white box one. It's the one with like a, it's got like a bonus disc of special features exclusively okay. for that set. It's, it's quite affordable to get, but it's really, but it's not available on the on the on the new releases. It's just it's really that one particular. I think it's the Dark Knight trilogy. I have it right here somewhere. But yeah, it's a really it, great interview with with uh, them uh, interviewing each other. Cool, man. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna go look at that up right now. Actually, and see if that's I have awesome. It. Yeah. yeah. All right, boys. Well, I guess uh, I guess it's almost about that time to sign off. Is there anything else we need to say before that? Yeah, Michael, you got any? Uh... Got any announcements, man? Anything you want to uh, put out into the world? Anything you want to promote? Um, uh, just, yeah, Chamber of Terror is, is coming. And, you know, we have a teaser that we just wrapped on. Uh, we're just kind of doing some post-production work on it. And that should be up uh, hopefully by the end of July, early August. Everyone keep their eyes out cool. for it. It's gonna, yeah. it's There's gonna a nice backboard of Rye Barrett in it in the trailer. <laughs> oh, well, of course, oh, man. Oh, that, that, that he brings to this movie. There's a really fun yeah. the the cast in this is it's a really fun ensemble cast. Uh, Jess Jess Vano, my partner, obviously is uh, one of the leads in it. Tim McCarthy is a killer. He's fucking amazing. It is uh, Nash Crothers in it. So and there's there's a bunch of other people. Everyone shines uh, from what I saw when I was on set. So should be a lot of like fun. like I said at the beginning of the pod. Yeah, like I said at the beginning of the podcast. Like, do yourself a favor, YouTube. Zindavi lives and then once you finish that and you've stopped laughing it was going to take you about five ten minutes after <laughs> it's finished for you to stop laughing then click uh michael Pereira's um uh click click his youtube channel like the link go through the other ones as well then you're going to get a good idea as to whether yeah. you think you're going to enjoy well, chamber Spook of Slayers too. that's another another fun one that's in the same sort of vein yeah, well, there you go. So yeah, which just, I recently put on uh, on YouTube, so it's finally there. But uh, well, there you go. Yeah, and again, if you like if you like Zendavi, you, you'll love. I I promise you, you'll love Chamber. And Chamber is definitely cut of the same elk, and I definitely try my best to uh, not not because uh, it's not it's not easy to translate a character from shorts to the feature. But I think we 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 pulled it off. Uh, yeah, wicked. Well, I'm very excited to see it. Yeah, and Rise brilliant in it. You guys are gonna go crazy when you see this before. <laughs> oh, I, I, I didn't doubt that for it was, a second. <laughs> it was, it was fun. It was he, he uh, gave me a fun role to go nuts on. So, <laughs> wicked. Well, um, for those of you that are listening now, um, please feel free if you haven't already to subscribe uh, on um, our, you know, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Uh, Spotify seems to be the main one right now. Uh, but you can also uh, go onto Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, anywhere that you get your podcasts. Feel free to subscribe so that you will now be reminded every two weeks. Uh, because, like I say, we are not doing this weekly for the time being. So, uh, you know, two weeks is a long time. It felt like a long time since the last time I spoke to Rye. So it's, um, yeah, it's, in, it's important that you subscribe so that you know exactly when the next episode is coming up. Uh, yeah, right. Anything else, bud? Uh, Mike no. wanted to. I wanted to personally thank Mike Pereira for joining us. Oh, thank and you. The pleasure was all mine. It was really fun. <laughs> and other than that, yeah. Cheers to Richard Donner. And cheers. this is yeah. And uh, and Mike, we'll uh, we'll have you back for uh, 
a full Chamber of Terror yes. review and talk and after we all get that to kind of stuff. watch it with some audiences and get to talk about everything and all that, it hopefully should be fun. Soon. Hopefully, yeah. soon. hopefully we can get through this and we can we can see it. I love to show it here in Canada before the year's out. Hopefully that'll happen. Fingers crossed. All right, boys. Yeah, thanks, Mike. All right, it thank was, you so much, man. It was a lot of fun. Thank you guys yeah. for inviting me. It was, it was fun. It was a pleasure. Ryborg signing off. And we are doing the same. Cheers. Peace. Peace.